Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Uh, welcome, everybody. Episode, uh, this is a cool number. I just said about numbers when you came in. I, sorry, this is like a um, squirrel moment. But uh, episode 222, so 222 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, Alicia Blanchard. She's a sales manager at Platco Corporations. Um, and I just follow you a lot on LinkedIn. I see you a lot at a lot of places. I think you're out and about in the community quite a bit. Platco, very reputable, long-standing company locally um, in the North Country. And um, I just everything that you post about and talk about and things like that I enjoy you know thank you seeing and reading and then I think I you know selfishly can pick your brain on some stuff too so <laughs> I think I think it'll be it'll be uh, you're, you'll be good for many reasons like I said but that's uh, kind of the, what what drew me to um, you know want to really kind of sit down and talk to you and um, but for people that don't know you who are you how did mm-hmm. you get to where you are now and uh, yeah six? perfect so um, I've lived in Plattsburgh uh, since I was. Uh, 10. I was born here. We moved away. I lived in Nashua, New Hampshire until I was about 10 years old. Moved back here. but uh, My mom's whole family is here. So we are planted pretty deeply here. My husband's family is all here. Um, so the North Country, once it gets you, it kind of keeps the claws in you. It's hard to leave. Um, even uh, there's a lot to do here. It's a beautiful place, right? So there's all the different seasons. So it's just, it's a great place to be. Um, as far as how did I get here? Uh, God, it's been a whirlwind. (laughs) Uh, I originally was supposed to be actually a high school biology teacher. Um, went to Plattsburgh state. I actually ended up having my daughter that year. I was 19. Um, so did, I took my finals in college and I had her a week later. And so I did not go back, um, but I don't regret that decision because uh, uh, it's been a great journey since then. I joined uh, customer service at Verizon Wireless as a greeter, okay. believe it or not, for $10 an hour. What year was this, Rob? Oh, God, this was 2002. Uh, okay. I was a temp employee for 10 bucks an hour as a greeter at a station. Worked my way up into customer service, and then I went into sales. Um, and then in about 2009, I actually transferred to AT&T. Um, worked as a sales associate there for about a year, became assistant manager. And then a year after that became, uh, but it, actually about two years after that, became the store manager. Okay. So, and that's uh, the one on Smithfield, same spot? Yes. Okay. Yep. It was the same spot. Um, I actually uh, created a great team there. We worked well. I worked with Josh Walker. I don't know if you know who he I, was. I, yes. But yeah. Yep. So Josh yep. and I actually managed the store together okay. um, before he went to Newcraft. And that's where I met yep. Aaron Benner. Y- yes. Uh, so I've known Aaron circle. since then. Yeah. Yes. So it's kind of like the whole community kind of comes full circle because you meet all these great people. Um, so management is really what I love. Leadership, uh, building teams, uh, building winning teams, teams that really are passionate about what they do. So I knew management was for me. So once I became assistant manager, I, I just knew that that was my forte. So um, stayed in management at AT&T until 2015. Uh, retail gets to you after, well, 14 years of that was a lot. Um, 
and then became the store manager at Periwinkle's Fine, Jewel- Fine Jewelry. Did that for five years. Honestly, that's probably the funnest thing in the world to sell. Uh, but again, jewelry? it was uh, yeah, jewelry. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when you think about jewelry, everything around jewelry has a story. Everybody remembers why they bought their jewelry um, or received a piece of jewelry. There's always some sort of sentiment around it. So mm-hmm. to be involved in all those beautiful stories was a lot of fun. Um, Again, the retail world, though, is still hard to deal with when you have a family and all of those things. So there were a lot of times basically from uh, Black Friday all the way up until New Year's. (laughs) I was just thinking Black Friday. (laughs) Yeah, Black Friday. weekends. Well, the thing, too, with... uh... So I was gonna say cell phone companies. I, I go through AT and T, and I mean they have late evening or late work hours. Very late. So you know they're there till eight nine o'clock at night, and you know I think uh, selfishly when I was, you know I kind of got into real estate for the same reason because mm-hmm. I didn't like the hours. Mm-hmm. And this was like I was twenty at the time, but it was uh, you know the late hours looking out and being like okay I'd, I'd I'd rather be out and about in the evenings and and kind of grind out my work and not have a set schedule. But um, so. When you transitioned into like the, the managing style, the assistant manager, what what drew you into that? Did you have stuff as like a child that like you think drew you in, or was this like a like completely new um, frontier for you? Yeah, so I kind of think it goes along with teaching. So I originally always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Management is combination of therapy and teaching I feel like it's you're always there trying to help somebody Mm -hmm. and for me um, really developing people is what I enjoy I love being there for them Um, being a true leader to me is you work for your team so making sure that their journey is successful that's what I get my joy out of it's not about me it's really about making them shine and and I really enjoy that part of it and that has never went away Um, did you experience that from day one was that pretty much yeah yeah yep Um, so when what was probably the biggest cur- like learning curve? Because you went from what sales you said before to yeah managing or to like a manager position. Yep. Um, what was the biggest like jump that you had to do, or was there like a bigger like paradigm shift or kind of an epiphany? Yeah, so I think the the biggest learning curve, the thing that um, I struggled with the most or had a lot to learn at first was the disciplinary side. I'm not, I don't love discipline, disciplining people. Um, so you really got to look at it as the other way. So holding people accountable isn't always a bad thing, right? It's about coaching and developing them. And so when I first came into management, I was, I was really scared about that part. But if you twist it into the way of, it's not about write-ups, it's not about, um, you know, people getting in trouble. It's really about developing them. And that's what you focus on. It never feels like a punishment. It's really all about how you communicate, and I really had to learn that. So in my first year, I actually had went to my boss at AT AT&T, and I asked if there were any development programs. And I got into every and all development programs I could and really focused on that, how to coach and develop effectively um, without – really cutting people's morale down because that's really important when you're when you say hey so and so could you come to my office i really need to talk to you people instantly are on like a terrible alert right Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be like that because they should be looking forward to sitting down with you no matter what the situation um so i i think one of and this is where i'm probably gonna have a lot of questions for you and kind of see (laughs) see what you say on these so um i've gotten more like from like an agent perspective i still do a lot of agents, um, sales and things. But on top of that, you know, kind of thrust into the day-to-day of running the company. And like, I've been working on nonstop, I feel like for, you know, months and over, well over a year on just like system overhaul and redoing processes and, Mm. and just kind of making things getting things to the point where I know they need to be going forward. Yeah. Just kind of with technology and just the way that 
everything's evolving. And coupled on top of that is dealing with, you know, people. And, you know, I didn't get into real estate to manage people. I didn't get into real estate to be in a leadership position. I got into real estate because I'm like, well, I didn't, I wish I had a better, uh, uh, what's the word, a more uh, noble way of getting into real estate, but I was just like, I didn't want to work a set hours and I was, I was in college. So like, <laughs> I, I didn't really have, I wasn't doing it for the right things when I got into real estate, but I think as things have grown, the leadership managing style is, thing has been kind of thrust on me and it's mm-hmm. been more of like a necessity of just like of growth. Part and, of it. Yeah. Instead of saying like, I really want to be a leader or a manager. Um, so one of the things I've struggled with in that regard is... I think I'm like you always hear like I think I'm good leading by example in certain things. Sure. I'm not a very vocal leader, and I find that like you hit the nail on the head. Like the confrontation or um, uh, what's it called, setting expectations or holding people accountable. Difficult conversations. Yeah, like and I'm I'm not I'm okay having them, but I also am not good at being proactively working on them because to me it's like unfortunately with a million things going on, that becomes like an afterthought. Like I don't, I'm not just a designated like, hey, I'm managing people. So I find that if I don't put enough focus on it, it ends up not being as well handled as it probably should be if I was putting more emphasis on it. So um, I think the biggest thing that I find with, um, let's say managing or leadership is typically if you, in my thought, and please correct me on any of this that I'm wrong on, um, but setting the expectation like up front, I think that's something I do a poor job on. Mm-hmm. And then the accountability side. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the accountability side, like I'm good at myself. Like I set my expectations high. I keep myself accountable. When it comes to others, I kind of have this mindset of like, all right, screw it. I'll just I'll just take care of it or whatever. Like, Because I've always tried to be someone that controls what I can control sure, and then let go of what I can't control. And I hate micromanaging. I, I like letting people do their thing. But I also realize that time and place that I, I probably am too lax or be, even though I don't control, I still have a lot of input on that, meaning sure. like the accountability and the expectation setting. But it's like I, I always struggle with that because I'm like, I got to take care of my stuff and then whatever's left over I'll help people above and beyond that, but I don't have a full enough time to like handhold or babysit. Yeah. So pick that apart and give me like your best practices because I feel (laughs) I'm, I give myself like a D plus on managing and I'm sure you're way, way higher than that. Oh, you know, there's room for growth every day for everybody. I feel like if you're, if you're kind of responsible for people, it is your, it needs to be a really top priority. So if you're affecting somebody's life every day, whether that be a personal life or your work life, you really need to put that at the top of your priority list. So even though you have 20 tasks, right, and there's only so many hours in a day, I actually put those things in my calendar. So I have four different calendars. Okay. <laughs> um, but my work calendar specifically, I make sure that I schedule that time with with my people. So that way, no matter what's coming my way, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not actually available for that hour, hour and a half. So I make sure that they get my undivided attention because if not, as you know, hundreds of emails a day come flooding in. There's always a task to do. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you have to schedule it. In addition to that, um, I always try to have like some sort of group activity too. So uh, for example, right now at Platco, so I've have a pretty old company so there's a lot of work to do like you we actually create we have a new erp system um 
it's been a huge learning curve for Platco. We're 127 years old. Everything was done by paper, except mm -hmm. for the sales department. We were already using computers. Nonetheless, it's still a brand new computer system. So this is where this management stuff becomes really important. If I don't take my time and I don't teach them and show them what they need to do and coach and develop and correct and do all those things, it's going to be much harder for me down the road. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather take that time now, actually get them around a big conference table. I have a TV that I sync up my Surface tablet to and we walk through it and we answer questions and we do a training session. Do I have all the time in the world to do that? Absolutely not. But I know that if I make time today, that's gonna make my life so much easier a couple months down the road. Um, and they feel supported. And then, then the accountability happens because I know that I did my due diligence of taking my time, reassuring, listening to the questions, answering them. Um, so it's really just about, it really has to be a priority even above and beyond our daily tasks if, uh, if you're in charge of people. Yeah, so when you, I guess, how do you go about, we'll come back to all the calendar and stuff after. Sure. That's <laughs> something that I've worked on. But if you... Um, when you do like let's, let's do expectation setting and, and holding people accountable like what's your process for that mm -hmm. on both those sides sure so <clears throat> we have uh basically a review sheet that i go over with them i meet with them quarterly sometimes more than that i'll meet with them anytime they really need to my door's always open um but quarterly i have their expectations so here's your quarter one goal you've got to do this this and this that they agree with me on we set dates we set a action plan um the biggest thing is having those action plans with the goals. Don't just throw goals at them. Have them buy in. Are these goals that you want to do? Mm -hmm. How does this affect them? And I usually, 90% of the time, want those goals to tie into the goals that I need because that's delegation. Mm -hmm. So not only do I have my big goals, I chew them up into little tiny goals for all the people on my team, and I know whose strengths and weaknesses are what. So I know who to delegate what to, and everything's laid out, and then we just kind of keep that timeline along with those goals. So, and you're talking the sales department, right? Sales department actually run field service and I'm doing marketing. Okay. So you're double, <laughs> do you have like a marketing department or is there a few people within that group? So we work closely with Boyer Benner group, mm -hmm. um, but it's really just myself and Aaron Benner and his team right now. So, and Aaron yeah. makes up 10 people. So he does. Yeah. The energy uh, is like off the hook. I really enjoy talking with Aaron. Um, I, yes. He's one of my best friends. I he's talked wonderful. to him Friday and a typical Benner two hour, just like, <laughs> yeah buckle up like he's just he's going he's going full tilt but uh no he's great um so when you how many people do you think you like you manage out of all the in, uh, combined three, uh 14 okay so when you say the expectations and and setting the expectations and goals when you say like your expectations are you the one kind of calling the the macro shots on the, of the the goal i mean i'm sure you're getting you know input and brainstorming but mm -hmm. Ultimately, it would come down to you to really kind of put the timeline together and put the expectations and priorities together. Yeah, and they can shift too sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you're communicating. The biggest thing is communication. So uh, I tend to over-communicate. That's probably... I'd rather over-communicate than not communicate enough. And I am thoroughly upfront with my team when I say that. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just going to let you know there's probably going to be 10 emails or 10 text messages that are going to come out today. Um, and I just would rather them be in the know then be like god i really wish you would have told me that you know and and that's probably a part that's a really big struggle too over communicating and not communicating enough um now when you when it comes to communication because i agree i mean 99 of problems are miscommunication yeah and, and this is between your spouse this is between your best Everything friend this is between ties work. together yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. all miscommunication um or lack of communication whatever and so 
when you talk about communicating like too much, do you think there's a line that's too much? And then I think couple that with micromanaging slash handholding. Cause I, mm-hmm. I find that at a, like I perfect example, if I'm following up with clients, I am very proactive with following up with clients in my business. If I was following up with you about something and I said, Hey, I'll check in next week. You better believe I'm checking in next week. So I'm very organized yeah. in, in my systems and, and um, my memory sucks, but I have tools. Yeah, to exactly. Got to have these tools. Yeah. Um, but I won't forget that stuff and I'll follow up. But then I find that sometimes with like people in our own company and agents where if I ask you multiple times for something that I'm like, okay, I'm either chasing you or handholding you or now I'm into the micromanaging part because you're not stepping up and doing what I asked. And I'm, I'm one of those, my management style is like, Hey, Alicia, like I want you to do X and I'd really like you to have it done this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. If it's not done this week, be like, hey, did you get that done? No, something came up. I'll get it done next. Okay, great. Then it's kind of like a couple days later, hey, just checking in again. And it's like still not done. So then it's, and my thought is, and again, this is a poor probably thing on my part is I trust that you're an adult. And if I tell you to do something that you are an adult and will get it done and that you will take responsibility. And I never, it's kind of like what people say, I will never ask you to do something I haven't done before. Sure. I will never ask you to do something that I think is unrealistic. It's just like, you have plenty of time to get this done. You just need to focus, time block, whatever you need to do to get it done. And if it's not done, I, I really don't want to hear an excuse, but like, what, just like, when is this going to be done? And can this be the last time I'm asking you to get it done? Yeah. And so what, where do you find the balance of micro, like too much being micromanaging or then it turns into like hand holding? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know where I'm kind of going with this, right? Yeah. Okay. I, it's, it's a hard thing to not run into, right? Because you do want to, you want your team to know that you trust them first and foremost. The biggest thing that I'll tell my team is if you cannot meet a deadline, do not wait till that day to tell me and don't wait till it goes by and I have to ask you. Yeah. So I make that a really clear Probably expectation. That, yeah. Don't, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. If you're not going to meet a deadline, don't wait till I have to come ask you because that's just not okay. That's the part where I think being an adult, if you can go to your boss and say, hey, this, this, and this has come up. And in my opinion, it was a bigger priority and here's why. So I'm going to need an extension. That's a lot different than me going to somebody's office and saying, hey, Joey, you know, I asked, you were supposed to have this done yesterday. I didn't see that come through. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally forgot about it. Well, that's a completely different scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really setting those expectations up front about what you expect as a manager. Um, and that way, literally, once they know that, they know that you trust them to get it done. And if you do, if they can't get it done, they're going to let you know ahead of time. And then you can build a plan around it. Well, what is it that you really need to do? Can we delegate that to Susie? Can we put that off until next week? Because this one is, you know, sometimes it is they need some help with some prioritization, which is a struggle for a lot of people. Um, and do you find that if when people that get stuck that they are able to come to you or they are willing to come to you? Or do you find that still like a sticking point for people where they just don't come ask for help or clarification? or? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Actually, um, okay. as long as you make yourself approachable and you, they know that you're not going to fly off the handle. Like I have never raised my voice at a single person. You do not, like I definitely lead with kindness and empathy. Um, people think that's a fault. I don't mm-hmm. because I get a lot of people to do a lot more things for me than if I was banging my fist on the desk. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just never going to be that person. I'm not that kind of mother. I'm not that kind of wife. And I'm never going to be that kind of manager. Yeah, I think... Um... We kind of like they're called like soft skills. I think that's you know something that's kind of how I approach stuff too. Is I give people the benefit of the doubt all the time, mm-hmm. even to the point where I'm like, I probably shouldn't. Cause yeah. Because I also I always look at like 
I have no clue what's going on in your life right now. So if you were to walk in here and be super chipper, awesome. If you came in here like mopey, and be like, I don't think she likes me. It might not be that. It might be <laughs> sure. you got a bad call on the way here. It could be you're stressed out about something, you know, at home or, or just like at work that has nothing to do with this. Sure. But it weighs on your head. We're all, we all are human. There's stuff on my head right now. There's stuff on your head. You of know, course. It's like, you know, but, you know, to give someone, you know, instead of saying, you know, jumping down your throat and you'd be like, hey, I have a close family member that's like not doing well health wise. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. Guess what? Take care of that. Like yeah. what I'm asking you to do right now is relevant. Like it yeah. really is in that situation. So, you know, and I think that that level, um, cause I would appreciate that. If pe- and I feel like give that more than I receive it. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably feel, cause I feel like most, there are a lot of people that are like that. And I think a lot of people are too stuck in their own mind, like selfishly kind of like, well, I don't care. Like this is what exactly. I want. And it's like, yep. well, yeah, I get that, but there's a everybody's life's hard. Everybody's doing it's stuff. so hard, and and it's like it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, and it's just. But you gotta, you know, I think you gotta be reasonable with people, and I think that the work aspect, especially because most people, if you asked every person that works, and be like, what do you like to do? If you had a perfect, no no limitations in your life, I very rarely think most people are like, I want to go to work, and not because they. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying like, I love my You're job. Right. I, I like my stuff too. But like, if you really had to ask me, like, yeah, what would you do? I would probably go do something with my wife and kids. I would mm-hmm. probably, you know, go do some hobby. Like I would want something that's different. So I realize that most people, especially when it comes to family and stuff, like work's not not their top. It's I not. mean, some people are, but I feel like most people's priority is their family. Um, and it should, it should and it should be, be. <laughs> which it should be, and like, which is certainly mine. And that's a big mine too change that I've had in the last handful of years. Just as my life's gotten busier with family, I've as we've gotten more kids. Like I've put an even more time into my family because you have to. And, um, and I'm very happy I'm doing that versus the alternative, but it's still, and I still want to make sure that's reciprocated leading to other people. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you must run to that too with like, you know, get the family dynamics, you get the person because people are very complicated. (laughs) They are. And people have a lot of things going on. Like you said, I think for me, so I came from humble, you know, beginnings. I have been through quite a bit of things in my life um, that has given me a lot of experience in different things. And so that makes me really understanding on knowing that people go through things that are terrible, things that not everybody handles it the same. Um, How I may handle a situation is not the way somebody on my team might handle a situation. What I really love is knowing that we can communicate that to each other. So like I have team members on my team that are going through some very bad things. I just let them know that I'm always here for them. Whatever they're comfortable with sharing, I'm I'm always have a, you know, a listening ear. Even if I don't have the time, I will always make the time for mm-hmm. that. Because if you give time for them to vent about something that's really bothering them, they're going to trust you. And they're going to, you know, they're just going to they're going to give you your their best when they're in the office. Um so really your team, that's why I always say your team is number one. If you're, if you're a good leader, you're going to know what's going on with everybody on your team for the most part. Obviously, there's going to be some intimate personal things that, you know, you should never be involved in. But for the most part, I know quite a bit of big events that are going on on each person on my team. Um, and that helps me be a better manager because I know what I can and can't give them at that moment. Like if, if somebody's going through a divorce privately, mm-hmm. I'm obviously not going to pile on 10 tasks, right? Because mm-hmm. in the background, they're probably having a terrible day, multiple days, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to delegate that stuff to somebody who may have a little bit more time and and they communicate to each other. So if you're creating that real team bond, having those extracurricular activities, so we'll go out and bowl, we'll go and have dinner. Sometimes I'll just order lunch in and we'll sit around and play board games. 
Do we have time for that? Absolutely not. But is it important? Yes. <laughs> it reminds me of the, uh, do you watch The Office? Yeah. It reminds me of The Office episode where he does the, uh, the murder mystery. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Jim's yelling at him about like, we don't have time. And it was, I always liked that <laughs> one. It's a funny episode, but it comes full circle where I think it was like Jim realizing like Michael's crazy. He's wasting all this time. And then he realized like, I think they had a good line about like, there's a problem, but the kids don't need to know there's a problem. Exactly. And you got to like, just kind of take their mind off of it and just like, and I, I think that there's a lot of, lot to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, I, We've done some of that. I don't think I've done it to the extent. Like every once in a while, it's like, okay, let's just pack up and like we'll go to Iris and get a drink. Like, yeah. Like on a Friday, you know, late in the afternoon when it's just kind of like things are settling down. But like, let's just wind down. We had like a good week. Yeah. Um, but it, I guess from the jumping, well, yeah, I guess jumping back to the accountability aspect. So like you set the expectations up front and you delegate to what you, you know, who you think is going to do well at whatever task. Yeah. Um, so the accountability is, I guess, how often do you check in with people regarding mm-hmm. the task? Um, you know, and you talked about doing like a quarterly review. Is that, I mean, you probably check in more often. Yeah. Than yeah. So that's the bigger, that's the bigger check in where mm-hmm. I delegate a lot more time for that. Honestly, it's daily touch points. It's, it's daily touch points, but not in a micromanager way, but just seeing how are you doing? Do you need any help with anything? Um, is there any big projects that are going on that you're struggling with? Um, and just knowing the things that are bogging them down. So if you want a successful team, especially in sales, you need to know what's holding them back. So if you get that out, um, then you know how to help them. And that'll be, give, give you a clear path basically on helping them get to their goals. The accountability part I always look in the mirror first if somebody misses something. Mm-hmm. So what did I do? Did I not coach them enough? Did I not give them a good enough goal? Did I not set clear expectations? Did I not help them uh, with the timelines? You're right. Everybody's an adult, and I agree with that. But I still feel like it's a it's a leader's responsibility to lay that, that path. What, what do you, So I'm the same way. I always look internally before I point fingers at mm-hmm. people. Um, what's your thought on... How much do you put on yourself before realizing that it's external? Sure. So when I can look in the mirror and say, no, I did everything that I could Mm -hmm. possibly do. And, um, you know, I've given every chance. I've I've asked them. I've I've let them tell me why they could or could not succeed. And I'm just going by what they're telling me Mm -hmm. and what I observe. Um, Yeah. So... I mean, do you, do you play that game sometimes where you go internally and then you, you almost micromanage yourself? Like oh, yeah. You pick apart it and then you realize like, no, no, no. I, I, I'm really just making excuses for them at this point because yeah. I'm like – I, I mean, I struggle with that because m- most of the time – one of the best pieces of advice uh, my dad gave me when I first got into real estate was – and this was kind of like in the business field or whatever. He just goes, if you can go to bed at night with a clear conscience, you're good. That's true. And I make mistakes every day, but if I – if I know I made the mistake in the sense that I tried my best or made it with the right intent, mm-hmm. I'm fine. It, like I said, I could have made a totally wrong decision in yeah. hindsight. I'm like, oh, that was a dumb decision. But in the moment, if I felt like that was the best decision and I went with it, then I don't second guess. I learn from it and move on. Yeah. So I've always, I've always done that. And I can say with, a, I mean, I've never gone to like, I mean, knock on wood, this continues, but I've, I've always made a good decision, even if it's not like short-term good for me, it's more long-term sure. or I've left like opportunity or money or whatever on the table, but it's not worth, you know, and I might be even fabricating what the negative would be, but I just feel it's not worth 
the potential of having that happen. Yeah. Um, but there are times when I'm dealing with people where I'm like, I, I hate doing this, but I kind of have to point the finger at that person because, yeah. you know, and I think at some point, um, I struggle with that because I don't like pointing fingers at people, but I also, I also, there's a certain point where like, you know, I you can't just to. make, ex- like I said before, make excuses for that person when I'm like, this is really a them problem. And, and sometimes and that is, it, yeah. And sometimes that is just the case, right? And that's where disciplinary actions come into place. You know that you have coached and developed and spoken with and done a million different things. Well, then there comes a point where you do have to actually write somebody up or unfortunately, you know, they have to go. Mm-hmm. They're not the right person for the job. And, and it takes a bit to get there if you're the kind of coach that I am because you don't, you don't want to just write somebody off. Um, but honestly, you also don't want to waste all your energy on somebody like that. And then you're not giving the energy to the people that are really trying to make you successful mm-hmm. because really you're as only as successful as the team that you build. I'm only successful because I have built a team around me that wants to be successful. So... Um, and our, our company's a little bit different because we have two staff and then we have like 15 independent contractors. Yeah. You got a little bit different. So it's the one thing I struggle with from a managing standpoint, and this is, I'm going to use this as an excuse. I don't know if this is true or not, but I might (laughs) use If not, I'm going to use it as an excuse. Like we have two people that are here every single day. I have the closest relationship with those two people versus all the independent contractors that I'll be honest. Some agents I don't see throughout the entire year. Sure. Some I see once a month. Some I might see once a week or a couple times a week. Um, but if you really kind of use that 80-20 principle, like 20% of our agents I probably see weekly or monthly. And there's 80% that if I run into them, meaning like I might catch them. I might be gone from the office when they show up. But like there's a few times I don't see agents here. Yeah. And this is the industry in general. It's not just like a Kavanaugh realty thing. This is like... Every company um, that does, does real estate can attest to this. But I find because they're independent contractors, nothing states they have to be here a certain time. If we do trainings, if we do events, there's nothing stating they have to show up. Now, granted, I could say, listen, I'm not we're releasing your license if you don't show up to these. And there's sure. you got to kind of weigh the pros and cons because like, is it because they're independent contractors, as long as they're not complaining and they're doing their own thing and they don't want to show up, but they're fine with the results and so be it. I don't like that personally because I'm one that I'm like always trying to get better. Um, but then I find that, you know, our staff that work here that I see every day, we do get more done or better communication, kind of all the things you said about yeah. knowing what's going on in their lives and knowing kind of what they're good at or need work on or, or where they excel or what I can delegate. Like I understand that tremendously. Um, but I like, Unfortunately, our, I wish everybody was like, hey, everybody's here every day and I could no. check in with everybody. It's just not the reality. And um, have you ever dealt with that with independent contractors? Mm-hmm. So how, how, how would you do that? Because like either I'm, like I said, I may not just know how to do it. No, I'm you sure. Have good, I'm you sure have a good you secret. <laughs> no, I'm sure you do. And that's a struggle. Um, so at Platco, basically it works. I have my in-office salespeople. Um, they're inside sales. And I have <clears throat> a group of five and then six five. And then I have a group of people that are considered outside salespeople. So they're all over the country. So, um, you know, in the Southwest, Midwest, Northeast, and then I have an international person. And in addition to that, in each one of these different locations, probably about 30 different agents. So these are people that 
go to um, either our current customers or future customers and they're looking for different applications where our product may go and they earn a commission like a five or ten percent based on whatever project they bring to us i cannot hold those people accountable personally so when you say like say you have someone in the south that person from the south is under your jurisdiction with placo Mm -hmm. and then under them they have they have like like right like agencies so like they'll be like a a customer in the, or a person in the South, an agent company that sells like our airlock valves. They also sell rotary valves. They sell different systems, right? So we're part of their line card. So your salesperson selling it to the business and the business selling it to consumers or their businesses. Could or be, or they're riding around with my direct salespeople. Okay. So it's kind of like an extension of us, okay. but I can't hold them accountable because they don't work for me. They have their own business. Mm-hmm. They just sell our product because they know how to sell stuff into those industries, sell our product into those industries. So how much direct contact you have with those people for me personally now not as much okay. um, but my salespeople have constant contact so my direct sales team talks to them sometimes it could be a couple times a week depending on how many projects they have going on together in different areas of the world they're busier than others because we saw all over the world um, but what I have decided or basically this year has been to create a scorecard for them. Mm-hmm. So my outside salespeople that travel into those different areas, um, they now have a scorecard to be like, okay, did they show up to trainings? They've been asking for more training. Did they show up to our virtual training? This is the sub. I'm going to call it sub. Yes, the sub. Yeah, yeah. subcontractors okay. is a good word. Um, they don't work for me. They have their own business. Mm-hmm. So creating a little scorecard, like, do they communicate where they've been? Um, have they told you, you know, have they handed over any good projects lately? What came out of those projects? Did they follow up or did you follow up? Um, these trainings that they're asking for, well, I've scheduled three different trainings now and they haven't showed up to one and I've asked them, you know, what time works best for them. They don't send me an email back or they don't answer my phone call. To me, those are things that are people that are just disengaged. If I've tried to reach out to you three or four times and you haven't returned a call, email or text, um, <laughs> to yeah. me that those are things that are on you not me so and maybe they're not the right person for that for so, us so if you have a regional sales salesperson that goes out from placo and they're the ones that are seeing all these other people so they kind of have the more direct contact mm-hmm. um, are they doing a level i mean there's still a level of managing and leadership within that mm-hmm. or these subcontractors don't really care like they're selling the product but they're like listen i got a bunch of stuff you're one of yeah. 10 products I'm selling. Exactly. Okay. So that's what I don't love because if I have an agent that has 20 things on their line card, there's probably nine times out of 10, they're not even mentioning Placo. Mm-hmm. So these agents are something that I really looked closely at since I became the manager because I feel like they were get, making a lot of money for not doing a lot of work. So they had blanket commissions. Mm-hmm. So let's just say they were an agent in uh, Minnesota and we closed the product in Minnesota, meaning my direct team, they would just earn a commission on it. The oh, sub no. person. yeah. And I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> that's not how that's going to work. Yeah. So just taking a deeper dive into that, that is all about accountability, kind of checking up, making sure that things make sense. So take a look at your business. Does it make sense financially? Are people making money the right way? Is, is your commission or sales structure designed so your company wins? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you got to change it. Yeah. So um, just this year, and actually I just had a review with my CEO uh, Friday, And that's your time to toot your own horn, by the way. (laughs) You should always do that. But saving the company over half a million dollars this last year, just by the changes that I've made. Like efficiency models and stuff. Efficiency things, changing processes, looking at rep contracts. Um, Those are all things that you just got to take the time to do. Um, Have you guys had to make any adjustments with the economy? 
at all? Or is that, has you guys kind of been... Oh, we've blown as, up, actually, because... In a good way. A great way. Okay. Um, so typically, I mean, we were like a 10, 12, or $14 million a year company. It kind of fluctuated between like that bubble. Mm-hmm. We're only 55 people in a worldwide company, so yeah. it's pretty crazy. Last year, we did $18.3 million. Wow. Which is a huge jump for some for you a said small from what, company. Like twelve to fifteen. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, yeah. It, it was thirty percent. It's huge, huge, and we have our own foundry. We have, like I said, fifty-five employees. So that's a lot of increase for really not this, any more people, mm-hmm. right? So we had to learn how to become more efficient. We la- launching this new ERP system. So it's really just about trying to see where you can trim out the fat. Do you have the right people in the right spots? Even when it comes to agents that you can't directly manage, are those the right agents? Mm-hmm. When you hire an agent, how are you portraying Cavana Realty? What are the core values that you are looking for in these people? And if they don't meet them, don't hire them. Um, well, that's and that's something that I've gone back and forth. So when you take like, because <clears throat> we have a lot of agents and stuff, and really if you look at it's kind of like the, you know, I, I, I really like the 80-20 principle idea is that like 20, you know what that is, right? Like mm-hmm. 20% equals 80% of the results. Yep. So you can kind of look at it. If you have, you know, we might be like 17 or 18 agents in total, which normally if you ask people like, hey, how many agents work at your company? Most people are probably going to say a couple because they yeah. don't know, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, you see the same names. This goes for every company out there. Sure. You pretty much see, if you take our whole board, you see about 20% of the agents regularly and 80% you don't, even mm-hmm. though they're there and they do a couple deals here and there. Um, so it, it gets, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, what's the cost? Um, and I kind of looked at this last year at one point it was like what's the cost of an agent to have now there's twofold one is like obviously the monetary cost is there anything that we're spending each year or each month to keep them up and running sure. we looked at it there was only a couple things and we made some tweaks on it we're actually right now we talked about like efficiencies and trimming the fat on certain yeah. things we got better at certain like just switching around some of our systems internally saved us thousands of dollars a year because they weren't being utilized or we found ways that were better um you know, I'm thinking a little bit more outside the box, and that was that was good. So then you look at the cost of an agent, not a whole lot from a monetary standpoint per month, and then you look at okay, what's the cost for time, like training and things like that. Well, unfortunately for a lot of these, it's not much because they don't come to training or they don't do <laughs> stuff. So then you really that's so like I look at them like okay, we have a couple agents that do a few deals a year. They might do you know anywhere from one to five deals a year, but they're not they understand enough of what they're doing they're not really a headache they're not causing problems is it worth just keeping them on because you do from a company standpoint make a little bit of revenue from them and i usually i lean to the point like as long as they're an okay per like a good person they're mm-hmm. not like mean or malicious or doing something negative fine i don't i really don't talk to them it's kind of like honestly it's um from a, a business perspective or an ownership perspective um it's a decent roi because there's not a lot of energy investment on that end and there's some people that there's more energy investment but really you know when i it gets it just gets difficult because i'm someone that i like making everything better in my life like i'm such a i want to say a perfectionist but i'm always striving to be better than yesterday so i will take the biggest risk in the world if i think that there's a little bit of reward out of it like i am i'll jump off that cliff (laughs) yeah well and and Case in point, what, what I've been doing for a while, and, and nobody will see this stuff. Like, this is a thing that, like, we will, and it'll make us super efficient. It'll make our clients happier down the road that we did this and, and our agents and everything. But it's me spending, I mean, months and months and months and all these hours trying to do stuff that, 
I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, fortunately, I'm the only one that can see the only one like a lot of it. I'm the only one that can do it. I've delegated a lot to some of the staff, but there's some stuff that I'm the one that has to do it. Sure. I know the, I know the ins and outs of pretty much everything in the company that in, and I'm really getting the point where that changes that in the future, I don't have to be there, but we, you know, things have takes time. Yeah. Things have evolved. So it's like sitting there and like right now, as boring as it sounds, I'm going through every client on our database to revamp all these systems we built to re-put them into the new system where I can't just put them in and like forget it. Yeah. Because everybody's like if your name comes up or this person's name comes up or this person, they all have different levels of where they're at or what they mean to me as you know, in my business that I have to you know, whether it's tagging or launching certain things that I have to do individually, well there's thousands of people. And oh, each sorry. person takes it's not like five seconds each person it's like you know a minute each person maybe a little bit less maybe a little bit more but then mm-hmm. you start looking at them like I, I showed jen today i'm like i did the front back of this and it took me 20 minutes and i got a stack of this to do so i'm like it's, and it's not hard it's just you just sit there and bang your head off the screen because like, i'd rather be doing anything but anything doing but that but i go back to what you just said like if i can I know there's an improvement and this is going to be a massive time financial roi on this I know it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. It's painful doing it, but when it's it finally is. done, I'm like, oh, thank God it's done. <laughs> um, so when you look at like efficiencies, like what's a couple of things you talked about? You saved quite a bit of money this year for the company. Where's your main focuses or what do you look at and, and how do you make the decision to change stuff and tweak stuff? And mm-hmm. um, let's start there and I have a follow-up on that. Yeah. So <clears throat> the biggest decision on changing something is can I change it without it being detrimental as in losing an employee right because you always want to be careful about decisions you make because it might make somebody who currently works for you be like well that's just crazy and i'm out of here too so you kind of want to think is it a win for platco is it a win for the customer is it a win for my sales team Mm -hmm. and you kind of weigh that out um financially is a big one obviously that's always a big driver for decisions Mm -hmm. but another big driver for decisions is is it going to increase morale is it going to make things better in the office is it going to be better for the teams that are past us so like at placo there's uh several teams right so there's sales there's engineering there's production there's manufacturing you know there's all different aspects to it so when you're making these decisions you got to think about how is it going to benefit multiple people Mm -hmm. not just financially but just like I said, the morale at, at work. So those are the biggest things. Improving processes, that's a huge one. So people get really annoyed with having to do tasks that take up a lot of time, but there's not a lot of benefit, mm-hmm. right? So really looking at those kinds of things. I eliminated, um, there was a process basically that we would rebuild something. Well, the task to get there to rebuild something was a little tiny benefit for the customer financially, not a whole lot. And there was about seven people involved, different departments, and administratively, it was a nightmare and it cost a lot of money. I was like, we are not doing that anymore. <laughs> and those are kinds of things you just got to kind of look at. Like, sometimes it's just, no, we're just done with that. It just doesn't make any sense. So really just thinking things through in that way, I mean, doesn't make sense. Um, so my question off of that too, because it's always tough because you're weighing a lot of things. How how. Actually, I'm going to slip another question. How far out do you project on your changes? When you talk about wanting to make this efficient in the future, is this is there short term? Is it long term? Like, where do you think mm-hmm. that falls in? 
or how far out is your mindset when you make those decisions? Yeah, it's both. So sometimes there's like immediate, like I want this change today. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's okay. So I'm not going to roll this out because that's going to make my team's head blow off their shoulders. I'm keeping it back here. I'm going to keep it in my notes and I'm going to think about this again in Q3. So it kind of depends on, on, on that. Um, I'm thinking honestly years ahead. I'm thinking probably two years right at the moment because there's been so many changes at Placo um, that I'm probably about two years out right now. And that's really, I'm playing in, I'm playing in that field. So when, when you set quarterly, um, so you set mostly by quarterly goals? Quarterly and yearly. Okay. So when you do the quarterly goals, how big is the quarterly goals look like? I mean, mm-hmm. is that going to take all, is it like a stretch goal where like we, we can certainly accomplish this in a quarter, but we really got to like step up and do it. Mm, I want it to be manageable, right? Because okay. I don't want that to consume them. Because in the the real thing that I want them to focus on is the daily tasks of customers. Our customers are number one. Mm-hmm. So that's the main priority. The quarterly goals are how do we move Platco forward? I'm always like, how do we have progress? I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking at making little improvements as we go along to make things more efficient we get better and that makes our our work easier so, work easier stop yeah. working so, so hard well if you um so if you took out like a percentage wise what percentage is on day to day and what percentage is on like your quarterly goals yeah so if we, like how much a percentage of a quarterly goal would it take to complete that task um let's just i'll break it down to like a week just to keep it mm-hmm. simple like if you were looking at a normal week and i was to pull up your calendar or someone on the team's calendar and you said, okay, here's their day to day. They're dealing with clients. They're on service calls, or they're you know they're out and about, or just on the phone. We have that time, and then how much time is like so? That's in business. How mm-hmm. much is on business? Where they're working on making those you know those that progress over the quarter. Mm-hmm. In a weekly time, probably not a whole lot. Maybe five percent of their week. They're just on, taking little snippets on the on business stuff. On the basically on their quarterly goals. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to cu- customers take a lot of our time so that is most of our day most of their day so a lot of times it's trying to figure out how do i help this customer yeah we work closely with engineering honestly that's just 95 percent of our day is solving customer problems um yeah because i I try to go in again in our business kind of the same thing if you take kind of what do you do all the time and then what like like right now i try to break my week in a perfect world, on business is like the first half of the day, in business is the second half of the day. I've always tried to break up my morning. Is like I'm working on projects. I'm time blocking the morning out to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Get ahead of what – get basically get what I – it's kind of like waking up in the morning and like working out or something. You yeah. do it in the morning because you know you're not going to do it in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm up it. at 4 a.m. Yes. every day. <laughs> so so if, that, if that stuff gets done, but I kind of use the same thing as my business. So when I get here, I want to make sure that the first part of the day is on moving the company forward. Then anything with clients, I call it proactive work in the morning, reactive work, meaning anything that comes into me and I'm reacting to calls or phone calls or requests or emails, mm-hmm. that's pushed out typically either right before like 11 is probably the earliest I, I check that stuff. And then sometimes I even push it to early afternoon if I can. Yeah. Um, so that's how I, I look at that. But then trying to figure out, you said with like clients, I've gotten to the point um, I've gotten better at this. This is tough. One of the one of the things I've have you ever read the book The One Thing? No. Okay, you, I think you would like it. But um, it's one of my all time favorite books, and it's how I do my man like my task, my my goal setting and, and priorities. And one of the things they say in the book is like you have to 
spend the day doing your one thing, which is like your main mm-hmm. thing for that day, whatever that might be. Sure. And that could be something that takes a half hour. It could be something that takes five hours. Sure. Your goal is to time block it, work on it. And then the hardest part about that, because you want to do everything and be there for everyone, is that they talk about embracing the chaos, meaning that if there's something that's not going to get done or you have to let something slide or potentially let something slide, whether you get chastised for it by the client or someone else, Could be. you got to let it go because you know that what you're doing is more important. I've gotten way better at that. And it's funny because I've experienced the the side effect of like, pissing people off but i also don't really care it's like you care but you don't but you can't all the time you can't that's I mean, that's a better term is you can't, you can't because of the priorities that you set so like you you kind of have to take the good and the bad so some of the bad is it, it, not it's the good far outweighs the bad and do you do you do that do you find that do you struggle with that do you find that that's easy meaning if you're doing everything which like this is priority and these things are going to slip through the cracks and might cause it like some short-term problems, sure. but we're fixing some long-term problem or long-term potential problems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has to let some things go. Sometimes you literally cannot, I always think about that person that like spins plates on a straw. Like yeah. it's got everything balanced there. You've got, listen, if you have kids and you have a spouse and you have a career and you have family, it is a hard balance no matter how good you think you are. Nobody's nobody's fantastic at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think the further you get into your career and the older you get, like I'm 41 at this point. I have a daughter in college. I'm actually having a grandbaby in May. Oh, wow. Like, I, like my daughter who I had when I was 19 is now having a baby. She's 21. She, it's a wonderful thing. I'm so excited. Yeah. But like you learn to be, you learn to just kind of know what is really important, right? So when I was... 20 working for Verizon at customer service, everything was a priority. I was in panic all the time and I just wanted to make everybody happy all the time. And you really learn over time that you really can't because the only person that's going to be miserable is going to be you. Mm-hmm. And I've literally, you know, there's times where I've cried on the way home because I'm literally like, I can't make everybody happy and I want to. You just can't. And you have to keep that in mind. How, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, I read a lot of leadership books. Uh-huh. I, and I see that you read a lot yeah. of books. Um, that helps keep me grounded. Um, I make sure that just set a time aside a time with family. Like I'll be like, okay, Sunday, I'm making a big family dinner. Let's invite Aunt Linda. Let's invite our, you know, our parents, you know, and I just try to like try to decompress. Um, that's probably what I beat myself up about the most is because sometimes I get so career focused that then I don't make time for those extra family members just the ones immediately in my household you got to make time for people because those are the those are the things that bring you joy and those are the reasons why you're working so hard and you got to remind yourself of that do you um so like in a normal week you said you have four calendars like how do you, mm. so what are the four calendars yeah kind of how do they work together and how do you manage your time yeah so I have um I have my personal calendar, or my personal calendar, which is all of my, you know, doctor's appointments and things like that. I just want to show you this. So, let's see. In here, so this is my calendar. And by the way, look at this email box. It's ten thousand two hundred twenty-five. <laughs> that stresses me out, but that's okay. That one How's is your for text messages. Way better than Daniel okay. Howard Ross. So that could be some shit there. But I don't yes. have any. Okay. <laughs> But um, I actually like the reason Daniel does it, though. I know. She just is like, I she, don't need to talk you, to you. Right. You're and not she priority. just can't. And I think that that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Yes. It, and it stresses I me out her. seeing that, but I do respect her a lot. I, I respect I her that. a ton for that. Yes. I really do. And <laughs> I picked on her many times about that, that's too. That's so funny. Um, but like, so, 
yeah, so I have work set aside. Mm-hmm. I have my personal bills, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I have in that calendar. And then I have my daughter's college stuff. And then I have my other daughter's high school stuff. Okay. Because there's so many things going on that if I don't separate that out, the last thing I want to drop the ball on is one of my two girls. What do, what do you have? What kind of calendar do you use? Um, I just use like basically, or emails is what I should have said. I should have said email boxes. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, I just use my Outlook email or my Outlook calendar. So you have one calendar, but you have four emails. Yes. Okay. Because there's no way I could look at four calendars. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, I want to see how she does it. But yeah. Superhuman. Just but. basically, yeah. It just has everything all in there. So, um, so when you pri- when you go through, like, how do you set your scal- calendar and intentions for the week and, you know... Um, because again, you have two daughters, mm-hmm. you, you, you got a husband, you got work. Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you, I guess, how do you put it all out in a week? Yeah. What's your. Well, pretty much Friday when I'm done for the week, I, I look at the next week and just kind of see how my Monday's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then I don't look at it again until Monday morning because oh, I try right. to really separate everything on the weekend. When mm-hmm. Friday at five o'clock comes, that's why I left retail. Placo is closed. Every once in a while, I've gotten a call from a customer, but that's rare because of kind of the position that I'm in now. Um, but once that weekend ha- hits, unplug. Don't check your don't check your emails. That's probably the biggest piece of advice I could do because you get really distracted. And there's been times where my you know my husband or daughters were asking me a question, and I'm looking at my phone, and I'm like, they're like, we t- we try to get your attention like three times, and they're literally standing in front of me. That's what the world needs to stop do and stop doing that. Um, (laughs) So put it away. (laughs) The, the, uh, that's one of the, like, I I love our, actually had a conversation with someone today. They stopped in, I was talking to him about this, but the, so you got to set boundaries. And I find that one of the things I, I like our career, one of the things, or the industry, one of the things I dislike about it is the fact that it's, gotten to the point where people think that you live on your phone 24-7 for, as an agent. Yeah. And I think that you have to train clients. The problem is, like, it's funny because if I call, there's plenty of businesses if I'll call and they don't call me back and they don't call me back mm-hmm. and I'll try them three days later mm-hmm. and they call back and finally they call back and they get them. And I said, in my line of work, if I don't call someone back, like, soon, then I'm like, screw you, buddy. I'm going to the next person. Right. And and I've gotten to the point now I'm okay with that yeah. because it's, it's one where, like, if I'm like, oh, they were upset that I didn't call them back in three hours on a Sunday when I'm with my kids, I'm like, screw it. Like, I, exactly. I don't want that client. You, that's, that's exactly they're right. Not, they're not going to gel with me. It's not worth it. And I, But I find that um, I really want to either get to the point myself or the, my our company or the industry or whatever where I just – I can shut the phone off at 5 and not turn it back on. I'm not someone that I was – I'm on social media because of the company. I honestly don't know if I'd be on social media if I didn't have to do it for work because I'm not I'm not really into that. I like reading. I like right. hanging out. I like going golfing. I like skiing. I like doing a bunch. I like hanging out with my kids. I like doing stuff that doesn't involve the phone. Sure. But unfortunately, your phone is such a tool now that, you know, between your calendar. I mean, I check my phone more because of my calendar, my reminders yeah. on my calendar, to-do list. Then, but I find that trying to, like, shut it off in the evenings, I've gotten way better at it. Um, I, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb majority of the day. Which is um, great. Where like so, calls come in, but they go right to voicemail. Mm-hmm. Or, and I don't hear them ring. Um, and I will usually turn it on after the morning. And I'll respond to people. I'm like, has that pissed people off and probably lost some business? Absolutely. But I get big projects done and I'm fine with it. 
also on the weekend, how people text me and the person I was talking to today was like, I had like five people call me on, on Sunday. I'm like, well, if you're, if you're, if you respond back to them on Sunday and make that the norm, then right. they abuse it. And I said, if you, I had a couple people that I had one person that texted me like eight o'clock, not last night, it was the night before, uh, I think it was Sunday at like eight o'clock. I saw it and I responded to them at 9 a.m. the next morning. That's what you should do. And it was like, and Absolutely. I saw it and I was like, I, it's not a long conversation, but no. I said, what I'm doing is, and it's harmless to respond now, except that it sets the precedence that this person now can text me at any hour of the day. That's right. And so I've gotten better at that. Same thing if I get texts in the morning, I'll, I'll wait till like nine. And it, it's not, if it's something that's really like warning signs, like this has to be taken care of right now. Yes, I will that's respond. That's different, yeah. But those are... One out of a hundred. I was going to say that it's, should be very rare. Those are very rare. <laughs> Nothing's emergency. Like a, a question they could ask me later this afternoon or tomorrow exactly. or next week. So, um, especially in our line of business, like banks and attorneys don't work after hours. Exactly. So, like, if you're calling on a closing and you want to talk at seven o'clock at night. Now, granted, I will talk to you if you don't have access to talk the next day sure. and this needs to get taken care of. Absolutely, I'll make time to, to talk to you. But if it's just people that randomly just text me because they just want to do it in the evening, not mm-hmm. the afternoon, I'm like, listen, like. That's your um, time. And it, and it gets tough. And I think most people are respectful of that. And I think the good thing is as I've gotten older and, and you know, more established within my industry, I I can be a little more choosy with some certain things and can sure. f- deflect some stuff. But um, it's tough because, you like you said, you want to help everybody. But you realize, like, I'm one person. I got a lot of my plate like everybody else. And I said, you really got to be able to, de- like, compartmentalize your life to the point where... Sometimes you just need a break also middle of the week. Like you I, do. Like, well, Friday, like we're going to the Irish breakfast in the morning, which is always same fun. Same here. Yep. I'll so see you there. Always fun. <laughs> and then I'm taking a half day. <laughs> same thing. We get done and me and a few guys, we're going up to Whiteface and we're going skiing. That's right. That's and what we've you done it do. the last few few years on St. Patrick's Day and it's one of my favorite holidays. And um, it's funny because you think like, you know, Kavanaugh Realty, we'd be like open and doing stuff on St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, no, I'm taking. That's your holiday. I'm taking it off. The day before, I'm doing a bunch of stuff um, for it. But yeah, we're, we're going skiing. And it's a Friday this year, which is even better. So Way good. Um, yeah. But that's part of it is just having those like little breaks in the week. And I always, I also, pl- actually, I'll show you my calendar. Um, and I think personal days are so important. And <laughs> well, yours is even worse than mine. Well, it's, so it looks, I, I feel like it's not terrible because like, I mean, it is and it isn't. So, like, this is how I break up my day, and you, you'll see it here shortly. Like, this my, is important. Birthdays, I love that. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, I I rely more on Facebook than that. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if people are on there. And that well, birthday. like work ones. So, like, I have all my team's birthdays and their work anniversaries because if I think those I, are I should no, that I should, and I'm I'm terrible at that. Like, honestly, if you told me when Jen's birthday is, I'm like, I kind of know when it is, but not. <laughs> and she's she will never tell me, so I'll probably miss it. But that's fine. I'll get her back the next day. But this is. Um, but let's see, like I, I block off. So I try to get up five in the morning, mm-hmm. um, block it off. Of course, today got long story short, but my <laughs> alarm didn't go off. And I think the daytime, the, the, the switch on this, the daylight savings oh, screwed yeah. up. So we were scrambling this morning to get the kids to, to the preschool. But so I usually have, I block off. I bring my kids to school majority every day. That's and awesome. then my blue is my main things that I have to do that day. And that's the priority things where I like shut the door, work on it. And you can see that this is probably going to be there for two, three weeks, which is yeah. just that boring, tedious. I need all hours of the day to do it. But and then you can see that. I try to break stuff down. So blue, I have a lot of color coding things, which is funny because I'm colorblind, but I can see the difference in shades. So the blue (laughs) is like the main, when I talk about one thing stuff, it's like the main things I want to get done that day. 
And you can see that there's not a lot of them. I don't know why. Blue for my kids is just because my son's favorite color. Yeah. So I just put it in that because it was favorite color. This was last year. But this is main things I have to get done. And then this is like, okay, check my email. Like my email tomorrow, I, I'll check it at four after this is done. And then I pause my email. So nothing comes in until one o'clock tomorrow. That's really so, nice. <laughs> like you can see my inbox right now. These are actually tasks. Jen must be doing those. But like my email is at zero because I have it paused. So nothing can come in my inbox. So this is my like monkey brain that I don't get distracted. That is awesome. So I, I do that every day. I typically check my email at 11 a.m. in the morning, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and then I pause it. I'll pause it from 4 to 1 o'clock tomorrow. I love that. <laughs> um, and most things aren't a necessity. And if I very rarely is it like something I should have responded to. Sure. Most stuff's not a, not a big priority. And I, that's bit me in the butt probably twice ever. So it's worth it. the benefit. Absolutely. <laughs> Benefits me every day. So then red is when I'm with people. And then, um, and then I have a couple minor things, but you can see like most of my week is I try to time block it and I try to get home at five. Like tomorrow I'm probably going to have something at 630 that's going to fall in. A couple client things fill this up as the week goes on. But I really try to keep these, like if this doesn't happen, I'll move it somewhere else. Um, but I'm getting through my main priority and tasks. And there's certain things I'll punt. So my week now looks way different than it did a year or two years ago mm -hmm. and you know six months from now this will look way different but it's like the season of where I, I call it seasons but like the season of where i am in my business um and then all the orange is just like notifications yeah so but you can see like breakfast it. and then white face and i usually try to keep my fridays like a flex day so you can see like gt free day as i try not to schedule appointments on that day yep. and it's just like catch all before i get into the weekend which is family and and this is not or going if i well. want to take a half day it's not a big deal <laughs> yeah like we'll go you know sometimes i'll go golfing in, in, yeah. in the summer some days i'm just sitting in the office working harder than i worked all week but i have no appointments and i don't have to answer to anybody yeah and then this is something i want to get better at but it hasn't, hasn't worked yet a digital free day but i also use my phone for like a lot of like tasks that yeah. like <laughs> that don't necessarily translate to like I'm not t texting people, but I have to check my phone for something. Yeah. Where there's like not even really a calendar, but like if I'm checking something for like I don't know, like like a workout, or if I'm checking something for just looking just something up or playing Google music, or, or yeah. yeah, it's just like you. We use it as just a search everything, engine. Yeah. Everything. I know. I I mean that is something that I still struggle with for sure. It's a, I feel like it's a work in progress. So. Listen, I came from this industry when I started in telecommunications. It was a bag phone that cost $3,000 that only very rich people had, and they paid like five bucks a minute for. I remember when text message launched, and I remember, I remember yeah, and I remember sitting in a text message meeting in like Albany, and they're like, this is the next best thing. I'm like, nobody's going to do that. They're just going to call each other. Well, that blew up real quick, and then Blackberries came out, and then I remember... You know, like the did iPhone you have a Blackberry? launch. Yes, I did. I, I, I had the Blackberry that was my first, Storm. Like, nice phone was Blackberry. Loved it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember people waiting for days in tents for the iPhone. Like we were handing out like granola bars and, in and coffee. Yeah, in Plattsburgh. So funny. And like you just, I just think about how far this has come. And I like, I remember not having in a cell what? phone. Like, well, I mean, told back phones were back what late nineties, yeah, nineties. So two thousand and two. There wasn't even a camera phone yet mm -hmm. when I started. It was just a, a bar style, black and white screen. There was no texting. There was nothing. Like you were my, calling. My first phone from AT&T, I think I got in like 05 or 06. It was a little silver phone. Mm -hmm. It was a flip phone, no camera. I remember getting it. 
and I had like my number, which is still the same number I have today, <laughs> and my parents' number. And I remember like I had nobody else's number. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it was I don't even know why we got it. I think my dad got it for work, and then there was like a plan. You get five everybody in the family. Sure. So we well, got, it was buy one phone, get five free all the time. I think that's what it was. <laughs> so I ended up getting this like little phone, and I remember there was this some I don't even know how I found out about this was I remember this little like motorcycle racing game, and yeah. all it was was it was black. And it was clear, and there's a little like motorcycle guy, which basically looked like a dot on the screen. Yeah. And you would just move like the, the the buttons, and it would kind of like drive around this course. I remember just sitting there playing this, and I I don't think there was texting on the phone. I think it was just I calling. doubt it. Yeah. And then I ended up getting a phone in 2006 or seven, and I was in high school, and I remember getting a new phone. Now this had a picture, or you could take a photo yeah. on it, and this was also a flip phone. Definitely nicer than my first phone. <laughs> and I remember it sat in my in the box from Christmas for probably three months or four months. Which is wild. And I only activated it because a girl wanted to text me, <laughs> which is a great motivation for a You're kid like, in high okay, school. let me get this active. And I was like, I don't need, why? Nobody's going to text. It's stupid. I don't need a phone. We're good. You got my landline. Like, we got my home number. Yeah, I know. And, uh, so I remember I ended up, uh, I activated it and then I had it and I kind of had that phone and that was the first phone I used and I actually kind of used it and we were getting to high school and people were texting but it wasn't like not a not lot like now no and you know it, it, then I think my next phone was like a sliding phone it had a mirror on it oh yeah and I forgot which one that was but you slid it up and then you had the keyboard underneath mm-hmm. and then my phone after that went to a the BlackBerry. Yeah, those are awesome. And the BlackBerry was great because you had like the numbers. And I actually it's liked so it because the first time I was like, I feel like I'm like a big boy now. Of I have course. like a cool phone. That was like high class. That was like. And that that was, I think when I started real estate, I had a BlackBerry. And I, it was like just starting out. And then I quickly went to the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I've had an iPhone since like 2012. Yeah. The, and I, I'm such an iPhone. I'm an thing. Apple like. Everything. Junkie, so. Me too. Yeah. Me and, too. Um, so, I mean, I guess from now, like the phone aspect, because you have like a. I mean, you you were in it for so long. Like, what what do you think the biggest jump was in technology in that time frame? Because oh, we're talking God. twenty years basically, yeah. and we've had uh, this amount of change. Huge amount of change. I, mean, I don't think anything's changed more than the telecommunications industry, in my personal opinion. Yeah, maybe vehicles. I, maybe vehicles. They've changed a lot too with electric cars and all these. I don't think things, they've changed as much day to day life. Yeah, this has changed society. A cell phone has changed society. I think more than anything else in the world. I, I agree. mean, yeah. I just I try to tell my kids, and it sounds like an old lady thing to say, but I'm like, my parents didn't even know where I was like I'd be like I'll be home at seven mom you making spaghetti tonight and Mm -hmm. we were playing tag and we were like riding our bikes all around town like I I just I remember getting on um like say soccer practice and nobody had cell phones so say the practice got done early for some reason or you sat there everybody you you were in like a line of of your teammates trying to get to the phone to dial out from the AD's office or the 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 um or phys ed teacher's office and you just call your parents like hopefully they picked up yeah so like I don't know, leaving a message, mom and dad, I'm at the school till yeah. in perpetuity until you pick me up. But I just, and then all of a sudden kids have cell phones and now they're like texting you at practice. And I'm like, I know it, it was, it's very weird. Well, and sometimes, well, you still have little kids, but as your kids get older, like when your kids are always connected to you now, so like they're like, what's for dinner? What are we doing this weekend? You know, it's like, I don't know. Can you wait till I get home? So that doesn't change because my kids are on the exact, they're oh. the opposite spectrum. Yeah. But they're the same thing. It's just question after question. I'm question like, after I'm like, question. Guys, just stop talking for a second. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it, doesn't so it doesn't change. change. Just different, no. different way of getting a hold of mom and dad. Yep. It okay. does not change at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking there was a light at the end of the tunnel. No. Like, I guess not. No. Uh, <laughs> the text messages get longer. 
Well, then, yeah, and then they, they ask for money and all these other things. I always bust on Jen. I call her Uber Jen because she's like, I just, because all I do is drive these kids That's around. That's right. It's so true. And her kid's almost to the point where she's going to get her license, but it's like. <sighs> it's the best it, thing in the world. Yeah. And we're getting into the part where now we're like slowly starting to cart the kids around. Yeah. I, I le- we left, we were, um, so Saturday we went to the hockey games. They had the Cosmic oh, yeah. State games. And so in between we went out to dinner. So we're walking out. We actually went to uh, Yamasushi. We were eating. We walked oh, yeah. out to go back to our car. And as we're walking to our car, this adult goes, hey, crew, which is my son's name. And I look at, I look over and she's like, oh, no, I'm just, she goes, I'm just so-and-so's mom. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I just wasn't expecting someone to say, like, hey, right. he's five. I'm like, right. And I'm like, like, you know people in the town now? I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> can you tell me about, how do you know all these people? And he's just like, oh, she's so-and-so's mom. I'm like, okay. Like, so I just got the biggest kick out of that because here he is it. just kind of like strutting down the sidewalk being like, hey, hey what's up? Future mayor. <laughs> oh, yeah, if you knew him, you'd talk his way out of any, any situation. I love that. Um, so the... So, when we talk about like, where you are now, and I want to still kind of stay in the, the cell phone thing, and, mm-hmm. um, where do you feel this stuff is going? Obviously, you see like the, the are you like big into like the current events and things that are happening, like AI is coming out now, and you have all these, mm. you know, these new technologies that are popping out. I mean, how, how much in tune are you with that stuff? Less now that I'm not into that industry anymore. So that industry was so overwhelming at times. So talk about not being able to be disconnected. I remember going to Disney World in 2013 with my family and having to bring my iPad, my phone, my, you know, because you can't disconnect when it comes to this stuff anymore. So was that for work or was that, that was for, for, work. Like, for photos? No, or that was for work. Okay. Like, so <clears throat> because you have these things, I feel like when you work for certain companies, they think that you're always on. So you talk about customers thinking mm-hmm. that you're always connected. When you have these things, like back in the 80s, when my mom left work, she left work. It was done for the day. She clocked out and she was done. Now when you leave work, you are still accessible to everything when it comes to this. So the artificial intelligence and all these different things that are coming out, I think it's cool. And I do read articles on them, but I'm not consumed by it. I think I, the, I like simpler things now. Well, I, I think um, I always... I don't say bandwagon, but it's just the stuff you know is coming down the pipeline yeah. and you just know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not one that wants to like hold on to like we're, we're like, you know, I don't want to be the one like staying on the Titanic kind of thing. Oh, before. no, you know, no, like, no. Yeah, for just sure. Kind of, like, Learn whole, it. Yeah, you learn it. And I think that I look at it more from the standpoint of like, is this going to help make my life more efficient? Yes. And I, I, I would need to do a better job at it. But there's certain things like I that come through the pipeline. Even the stuff I'm doing now, I'm like, is there a way all this data input is yeah. there a way that I can have some some AI thing do it, which I'm sure they, there can be, but then you have to then it's the filtering out system. Like yeah, but they they don't put, have the knowledge of each person how they relate, and I'm like, unfortunately, I have to do that. Like yeah. the actual like doing. I just had to do it. I went ten thousand customers down to one thousand main main nice. clients and got their um you know their equipment set up stuff like that like. There is just so much bad data out there, right? So the longer you have a business, the more bad data you get, in my opinion. Yeah. So you kind of have to do some manual work. Well, we're, we're purging we're purging that, but we're also, um, I call them like in limbo clients where, you know, we've had clients and, and the database we had was 30 years old. We had sure. like, we had all these people. And I think the earliest note I saw was like 95 or 96 in there, which is, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> well before I was in real estate, but um, going through a lot of them, there's so many things that we like. When I go through my database, I like the way that things are set up, like our CRM and stuff. Is like there always has to be a future task, no matter what. Always, because if there's yeah. not a future task, it means they're I call them in limbo or they're just in you know they're 
out in the, the abyss. You don't know where they are. You don't know what they're doing. And the problem is we have these people and they're either A, they're still good leads or clients, but we have no way of um, following up with them because there's no way we can remember that. Especially no. as you, at scale, you can't do it. And I said, number two, if they're not good clients and they're just sitting in the database, then one of two things. One, they're just wasting space. And two, they're giving us bad numbers because if we're looking at, okay, we have 10,000 people and you said, eh, we really only have 1,000. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up with processes and systems to basically filter that down, but not filter it down where we just delete them. Filtering it down where we actually have a system to possibly try to sure. hold them Sure, put them, them in a in. different bucket, you know. They're, they're in a bucket where, and this is where I kind of go back to like the technology and advancing and the efficiency models. It's, we're coming up with systems where it's, I, I have a, a, a mentor, he's, he's in real estate, he's a good buddy of mine, um, but he talks about marketing to many, not one. So yeah. instead of individually going through these people and trying to individually go through them, knowing that it, there's probably a small percentage you're actually going to convert, how do I build out a system where I can do it like in the background where I'm not doing anything and yeah. the only the serious people are going to raise their hand. So if I have, say, 10,000 people that are doing it, maybe only 500 will raise their hand, but I did, I built something out now, now through, you know, going into the future. All those would be automatically done in the background and the 500 that kick back out. Now I just have to focus on five nuts. So now I've, what's that? Exactly. 5% of exactly. whatever I was doing. Yep. So in my mind, it's going down through that and keeping that simple. But now while that's going on in the background and I'm possibly saving those people, now I can have the one-on-one -on -one conversations with the people that are active. I'm looking at homes. I'm selling a home. I'm buying a home. Exactly. I'm doing, or, or it's like, hey, I can do more business development or I can do more events or I can do more outreach on things that I want to do. Because all the back end stuff that I was sitting there like mindlessly the doing for hours is done. Things that don't make sense to waste your time on. Yeah, and it's just the it's it's using like you said, working uh, don't work. Work smarter, not harder. harder. Yeah, like, yeah, just for don't sure. Be, yeah, like keep it simple. And I think uh, that's the kind of stuff that I look at where AI, I feel could somehow do it. It's just the the thing with AI, and they're getting to the point. This probably will happen. It's almost like they have to study you or best practices they do. Where it's like it's not galen or it's not you know alicia it's it's something they would do yes you know and that's the hard part because it's like your brain like unless they can tap into your brain which again give give they're never going to be us <laughs> yeah and i think that's where it comes in where like the customer service aspect is people are like oh real estate agents are going to be non-existent I think there's a no. chance that could happen, I don't know about but that. I don't think it's a high chance because yeah. there's the human, not the human element. There's the uh, the intangibles that you can't see on a screen. Like when people say price property, I'm just going to go on Zillow and look up the Zestimate. Like that's not accurate. Like there's, it's and I can not. tell you why it's not accurate. And same thing if someone called you and said like, I got this, you know, quote from this company versus your company. And it's like, okay, well, these apples to apples and let's lay it all out. Because exactly. if you're looking at a top line number, that's totally different. Like, what are you getting? How are you getting it? What's the time? I mean, all the stuff that you know that goes in with that. And also, is that even the best thing for your needs? Like, right. And that stuff a lot of times is hard to do when you're punching in a computer. Um, I mean, eventually they will have some type of emotion to it, but I feel like that I feel like, it, I don't know, like I said, unless they're like tapping into your actual brain, which again, Neuralink and all this stuff, they probably will be <laughs> sooner or later, but I still think there's going to be a massive jump for that. I, I don't think that's... I don't I, think I, humans can ever be fully replaced for one thing, because some people really love that human interaction. I think about kind of like what you said, thinking about like, oh, I see this commercial like car gurus, right? And they're mm -hmm. like ordering a car online and then it gets dropped off like a vending machine in front of your house. That is just so weird. But I'm sure there's people that will only ever shop that way. 
Well, I mean, that's, that's why I bought my last car. Right. See? Which, is, but it, which I never thought I would, but then I'm right. like, it really wasn't that bad. It, right. But, but you don't test drive. There's like some weird exactly. things with it. Um, but a home is more intimate. Like, I feel like it's a little bit different. I do see where it would get some clients, but I don't think it would ever fully be replaced. So, like, so during COVID, there was the, uh, this was, this was kind of, this was a good thing from that time period we got to learn from is that we were shut down for like 10 weeks or so where we really couldn't go in homes. And what they said was, which was fine, we still managed to do some stuff, but it was, uh, you know, and things kind of, you know, as... You know, like was so simple diff- for a little three bit. Three different update. Well, it was like three different updates a week on how it back and forth because nobody knew what was going on. But um, one of the things that when it first happened, every agent rushed out and was like doing videos and walkthrough tours. And and this was me. I did during COVID. I did zero. I didn't do a walkthrough tour. I didn't do anything. I didn't do one prior to everything. Mm-hmm. And that became like the marketing ploy for a lot of agents. It was like, look at this. We got all these walkthrough tours. Well. Which I think is fine. And, I, and there's a couple that even did like these 3D model shots of the home. Mm-hmm. And I said, which it looks cool. The problem is a lot of that's like what I call smoke and mirrors of marketing is that it's not every single person that during that time period that was interested in a home, this is what would happen. Be like, hey, Gail and I'm really interested in that home. Like, great. Reach out to the agent. Like, oh, I have this awesome walkthrough video that I'll send you about the house. Said, okay, fine. Send it over. Pass it along. Every single client I showed it to. They would watch the video and say, oh, looks like an awesome home. When can we go see it? Exactly. Can we get in? Can, it, and no matter what I sent, no matter what was given to me, it always was followed by when can I go see the property? When can I go inside? And because you need, there's a spatial awareness in real estate. Like, yeah. If you, like, just take this room that we're in. People sure. will be like, oh, wow. It, I saw, like you said, I saw some people got a photo in here or whatever the case is, but you don't know how it looked. You don't know the size. You don't know if it's big, small, you how it's laid tell. out. And I mean, this is just a, a small room that we're talking about here. But when you're talking about a house that you're looking to purchase, people want to walk in. And it's not just where can I put the sofa. You want to walk in and be like, well, the bedroom's you know smaller or bigger than I thought. Like those I like floors the flow. look different than what it looked like on yeah. their picture. And it's, but it's even like oh, like the spatial awareness. Of, like if you walk in, does it feel like a good space for you? And I can't. I don't know what feels good to you. Like you, you, you have might be to like, go. This feels too tight. This feels too open. I don't like how this is over there. Maybe you have a weird thing about a kitchen being off of the living room or back. Sure. You know, like some people are like I don't want my bedroom being off of the kitchen. Some houses have that. And it, but that was. That was like a weird, you know, a situation from it, and and people always wanted to go in and actually look at the spatial awareness aspect. Um, so we had a lot of that, and then anybody else that was like, "Hey, I'm going to sight unseen. I'm going to make an offer, sight unseen." Well, guess what? In real estate land, sight unseen in my eyes means that you never go see this property until you close on it. Mm-hmm. Making an offer sight unseen and then saying you want to come this weekend and look at it or come in during the home inspection—that's not sight unseen. No, it's not. And so we would get a lot of that where people are like, "Oh, my guy's going to just make an offer sight unseen." But he wants to come in next week, and he wants to come in during the home inspection, and there's an attorney approval. So I mean, you have all these loopholes to get out. It's a different thing. So and, and so every single so that's when I kind of go back to the idea of AI and um, do I think that do I think that like certain things could get replaced at least our industry? Absolutely. Do I think that we'll get to the point where we aren't doing business the way we do it now? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that people will still be involved in some se- sense? Absolutely. Do I think that instead of having 160, 70 agents in our market, we'll be down to 50? I, God, I hope so because there's too many. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of – but it kind of is like that aspect of it too. Yeah, I think it things is. will eventually shake out for the better. 
And it opens opportunity up too because if you're like, oh, it's going to replace my job, I look at it like if you're a resourceful enough person, you'll figure out a way to to you know insert live in yourself into this that. new situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like only focusing on the negative and cell phones, but think about actually how much um, how many amazing things have come out of that. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, just for example, like Facebook. When I can talk to a family member um, or face FaceTime or Facebook, really, we can talk to a family member on the West Coast anytime you want or mm-hmm. overseas, like. We couldn't do that. We couldn't just look at a video and talk to them, you know. Um, or even just know. video just calls. Video calls, the being efficient at work for that kind of stuff. I don't have to fly to California. I can do a video chat with this customer. Yeah. Well, so mean, there's a lot of great things. I mean, we even, I mean, I know this sounds <clears throat> funny, but like, well, you talked about doing paper at Platco originally. Like, we, <laughs> same thing. When I got was started in real estate, which really wasn't that long ago, we did everything handwritten. Like I would write the con. I mean, we had the contract, the template. But sure, but you were still, in. yeah. And then you would scan it, or fa- I mean, you fax it, and it was just dumb. But you did all this <laughs> stuff back and forth, and I remember agents like would come and physically like stop in and hand me a contract. Yes. And then I would get it, and then I would call my person, and then if there was any changes, they would cross it out, initial it, and give it back to you. Mm-hmm. And then they're faxing this paperwork, and I'm like, once you fax it more than once, you can't read it. So no, it's you can't. Stupid. It's all blur. I've done it. But now we got to the point where it's like electronic signature. So I could be like, hey, you know, you can sign it tonight at 11 o'clock when you get done work. You're fine. If you're a CEO and you want to sign it between shifts in the middle of the night, you can. And it's it's way quicker. Um, and I think that the everything is um, replaced the or the efficiency of everything is replaced. So like you said, you're not having to get on a plane and fly out to California right. and meet with someone. You can just do it on Zoom. And really, like sometimes people want to be in face-to-face depending yeah. on the conversation. but. Most things can be done over the phone or via now FaceTime. Yeah. It's like, like I could have had this podcast, you sitting in your office doing it. <laughs> right? I do like the in-person yeah. aspect. It's better. Absolutely. I think it adds more to it. But um, if you really had to push come to shove, you could have, you could do it. If, if, if your schedule just changes and that's the only way you can do it, you can still get it done. Mm-hmm. There is like, I definitely get energy from people. I'm that mm-hmm. person. Like I can't, like I have a conference coming up in Dallas in April and I'm excited because there'll be hundreds of people there. Like I throw Speaking parties. Your language. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I throw parties all summer long just because, because I'm like, okay, well I'm barbecuing because there's green grass this weekend. You know what I mean? And everybody's <laughs> yeah, invited. So- Bring your own beer. Let's go. And it's sunny. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, right. So I have to have people. Now, I was going to say, so when you, when you're talking about like working on a team too, so when you do you do most of the hiring within that? You're like the sales department or is I that... do it all. Okay. Yep. yep. So like really this is like in a team assembled by you. Obviously you have probably yeah. some people helping, but you have a lot of input yeah. on these people coming in. Yeah, absolutely. So if it messes up, it also, <laughs> those are people that I picked. Well, but um, So I read this thing recently because um, I want to start diving into some management stuff with you and leadership mm. stuff. So I read this article, I think I saved it somewhere, but it was talking about like the battery of somebody. Meaning, do they add energy? Do they charge you up, or do they do they drain your battery? It's a huge one. And I find that I know this very well. Like, there's certain people in my life that certainly give me energy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Aaron like, Benner's like giving me. Yes, yeah, like, like I want to hang out with Aaron Benner. He, he's giving me a <laughs> like a seaport of energy, and I'm charged in like ten minutes. Yep. So, um, fully charged, like yes. off, off the rails charged. But then there's other people where you're like, ah, like, like I can't today. mentally, my mind is just going to go to mush having a conversation with them because they're just a draining so person. True. They don't bring energy. They, they take energy. They take it. And then they, by the end of it, I'm feeling like a, just an awful feeling. <laughs> well, you're just, you're just like mentally exhausted. Yeah, I, can't. Like, I just had a half hour conversation with that person or a meeting. And now I, I literally want to just go back to bed. Yeah. Um, how do you, 
how do you do that? I mean, mm. do you assemble a team where you have Energizer bunnies kind of thing, or do mm. you, you know, or it's you're kind of like always trying to, I guess, polish your team and make. I always heard of the term like make your bench better, basically, yeah. like make sure you have a good squad on the team. Yeah, so I definitely hire for attitude first. Mm -hmm. Skills are incredibly important, right? I mean, I can never discount how important it is to um, be great at the the job that you're doing as far as skills go. But we talk about soft skills and all those different things. In my opinion, those things are incredibly important. I want a team that I want to be around, not a team I want to escape to at 5 o'clock or escape from at 5 o'clock, right? Because I'm like, oh, my God, I just can't take this. I can't be at work today. I can't be around Susie or Scotty. I just can't. I don't want to be around people like that. So I definitely hire people that are fun Mm -hmm. to be around. I want them to have a personality, a sense of humor. Um, I I just – that are kind of like you. You kind of tend to to order – to – Hire people that are similar to your personality. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. Because not that I want them to all be a bunch of Alicia's, it's not what I want, but I definitely want them to be want them to be people that I want to have a conversation with. It makes my job a lot easier than if I'm like oh. <laughs> I think it's too if you if you beat a, like if you beat to a certain drum kind of thing and, and you get people that do it too, whether it's your way's right or wrong, it mm-hmm. makes that's the most efficient way for you to work. So I think that's empowering you versus yep. having someone that's at odds with you that may do it better than you, but they have to work with you. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and I think um, one of the things that over the last couple of years um, kind of being thrust into that for me is I've realized what I like and dislike. Mm-hmm. So now it's I'm a little bit more, um, you know, when someone comes and meets with me about being an agent or if we have to like hire someone or something, I have a little bit more of like what I want in a person, yeah. not necessarily like... They seem like they could do the job, but it's like, are they like, like, are they going to drive me nuts all day, like in a bad way? (laughs) Yeah, and that's well. I think when you, like, I've kind of gotten to the point now, and I've learned this recently. Like, I need that energizer person. Come, same thing. If you give me a bunch of people that are positive and upbeat, like, I am a different person, and I feed off of energy. I can, I can be very energetic, and then some people can see me and they're like, just I can be very just like, ugh. But a lot of it is who I'm interacting with throughout the day, and. I found that if, like, my next hire is going to be someone that I look at attitude first. Like, are they fun, bubbly, good personality? And they, they have, like, that proactive, I want to learn, I want to get yeah. better, I want so to be Yeah, so I can my... teach you the other stuff. Correct. That's my job. Yeah. But I can't teach you to be Skills a fun are... or a good person. <laughs> or, or just, like, having the, the just, ambition to want to Yeah, the be positivity is huge. So my kids make fun of me about this. But, you know, like, how they always have, like, sayings like Hobby Lobby. That's me in a nutshell, like all those signs that have all those positive messages. I even got a cricket machine for Christmas because I just have to have all these great positive messages. I really do believe that if you fill your mind with positivity, it helps you get through all of that stuff. There are so many negative things that have happened in my life, but if I would have focused on that in a negative way, I probably wouldn't be here today. So I try to look at every situation positively, and I want those kind of people around me because if you're a negative Nancy, I just can't. Yeah. I just can't. What, um... So when you talk, talk about like leadership, like let's go books. I like reading books mm-hmm. and you, you read books. Like what's some of your uh, go-tos when it comes to leadership books? Yeah. I mean, pretty much anything Jack Welch. Okay. Um, I love, so I follow Gary Vee. I will love read Gary anything v. from him. Mm-hmm. Like, so I fully believe in him. Uh, Tony Robbins. I love to- anything Tony Robbins. Um, 
really anything that focuses on people first. Honestly, I don't have any specific like author, but if if it is a leadership book about um, building a great team or how do you keep a great team, how do you how do you be a better mother or wife or manager, all those things, I'm always trying to learn all of that stuff. Um, so that's really what honestly what I'm always focusing on. What what some of the um... Like the three, the three gentlemen you just mentioned. Like I, I'm a big Gary Vee guy. If I, I don't. I met him. Did you? Yeah, New Jersey, uh, <clears throat> 2019. Uh, yeah, he was in New Jersey. He did a. The it was library? a seminar. It was Shark. The Shark Tank people were also there. Okay. Um. So they did that, and then he came in at the end. He had his cell phone number on his chest. Like he, go ahead and text me, and that's how I got on his text stuff because he does that for everybody. It's I'm sure it's automated. Yeah. But he'll just send random messages, right? It'll be like, "You're wonderful today," and think of one thing that you did great. Like, and I have the Gary Vee sneakers. Like my shoes say positivity and optimism. Oh, you really? Yeah. Um, well, so I I started following him in May of 2011. Oh wow, you're so way before I was. Way, well before um, he, he had just come out with the Thank You Economy book. Okay. And uh, I used to watch him religiously. I saw a keynote or a keynote, a keynote of him uh, back in May of 2011. I'm like, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that got me into digital media. He mm-hmm. got me into social media early on. He's the reason I ever met Aaron Benner yeah. uh, because I. Like, I literally did a search. I'm like, is there anybody locally that does digital media? I love that. And then uh, he came up, told Aaron that story before. And then I saw the photo of them of, like, the car and, like, uh, you know, kind of busted. <laughs> Their marketing work then. <laughs> it did. Um, and uh, so, and I ended up getting, I have all of his books. I've read all of his books. Um, I used to watch his, the Ask Gary Vee show. I, I watched every episode of his vlog up to, like, I mean, everyone. Never missed one up until probably... When he stopped doing them regularly and he wow. started to go to like the weekly V's and then he, I think he does stuff now, but I haven't followed him as much just because I've been, um, I love a lot of the stuff he does. I I took a, a slight hiatus um, when I had to kind of switch gears in my business. So yeah. it's like less of what he was doing and had to go more into other things. Into more of the deep business dive, financial different, stuff, all of that. Different stuff, yeah. Sure, so my priorities sure. were a little bit different. So I kind of was like, you know what? I can't put my time and effort into learning that, even though I, a lot of the stuff I've done is geared after him. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to sit front row in Syracuse for a speech of his in April of 2020, Aww. which got canceled. Yeah, of course. Then they moved it to September of 2020. I'm like, fine. Which, I can, which I'm like, fine, I can do it. Well, then they ended up turning it into a virtual event. And I'm like, screw it. The only reason I would go to this is because I wanted to, I was sitting, I was front row. Exactly. I literally was like, me and a buddy, <sighs> we had, me and two other buddies, we had the center front row of the stage. You would probably, that probably would have been, been amazing. Like me to like the wall from him. Yeah. Um, And all I had to do was buy his wine to get in. So it was like a case That's of amazing. wine at retail, which I bought. Wow. So instead of seeing him, I just drank it all during COVID. So <laughs> it, was, it was good. It worked out nice. Um, was wine, his wine good? I got the rosé one. It was actually okay. decent. Yeah. You had to chill it, but I, it was good. That's it, okay. It I was, like chilled wine. Yeah, it was good. Um, so what, what's something that out of those, you said him, Tony Robbins, Jack Welch, like mm-hmm. what was, what's some of the similarities or the things that you take away that, because I find like every leadership thing gets really broken down and yeah. you probably put them in themes. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of the main things you gather from each of them? Yeah. So Jack Welch is more, uh, more business focused. Like how do you create a better selling team? Um, he was GE, th- right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so that's kind of his side of things. Gary V is really just about stop being a dumbass and mm-hmm. pay attention to your people and do the right thing all the time, no matter what it takes. I don't care if you have to drop a billion dollar deal to make it right, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tony Robbins, I really relate to him a lot because he had a really rough 
life growing up. And he is one of those people that kind of like what I had just said, focus on the positivity. And that's not easy for everybody to do. Believe me, I know that. I, <laughs> I'm i not oblivious to reality. I know that that's not an easy thing to do. But I think that's why I relate to him so much is because even though he had a terrible um, upbringing and different things that have happened to him that he just like can literally find the positivity in every situation. I don't know. that th- Those are the kind of the key things that keep me going, whether that's my personal life or my work life. And and by the way, I'm the same person, no matter if you're going to catch me in my backyard with a Bud Light or my fifth, sixth Bud Light or in my work office. I'm still the same person. I'm still that easy to talk to. Um, and I, honestly, I think that that's the way people need to be. Don't be a different person at work than you are in your personal life. I mean, BHR appropriate, right? Yeah. But I found, I got a lot of that from Gary Vee too, because when I first got in the business, I was 20. Um, I was in college and mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to say I was intimidated, but I felt like, I felt like I was now in like a grown up space and I was, <clears throat> so my first job ever, my only job prior, I'm not counting mowing lawns and coaching and stuff. <laughs> and I substitute taught. So I guess if you add all those, but my real like actually showed up, got a paycheck, like hourly. I did I served ice cream for like seven, eight years. Fun. Since when I was a kid, like fourteen <laughs> up until I got into real estate. And I so I've done ice cream sales and I've done real estate sales. Wow. Um so I've had a very boring work. My 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 resume is very short. Like <laughs> I had the worst right, resume though. to go show somebody. <laughs> but um so but out of the 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 two, I remember le- like going into real estate and I was like wow, I'm dealing with like numbers and attorneys and banks and other people. And the thing is, my dad had been been in real estate since the 80s, still is, but he's he's in for so long. So a lot of these people, like I knew of growing up, like I've heard their names. So now to like call an agent and be like, do I call him Mr. or Mrs.? I know it's so formal. And I I was 20 and I was like, you you know, call my friends, parents, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. Of course. You know, and and I still have a hard time calling some of my childhood friends' parents. (laughs) They're still Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And And, uh, so then you see these people that, you know, and they're not, I mean, now I know them and they're peers to me. But like back then I was like nervous. So I remember I was, I felt very stiff when I first started because I felt I had to be like reserved and I had to be like, make no mistakes. The textbook. Textbook. You You got to know what you're talking about. And like, and then I got to the point and I got this kind of from Gary is like, just be you. And I I was like, you know what? I'm going to have fun. I'm the same on the podcast. I don't do any prep for the podcast. I don't act any different way. I show up. I'm just like, which is good. I mean, I shoot from the hip and I say some good stuff, some really bad stuff and whatever. It's all there (laughs) and I don't care, but it's like all the, you know, anything I do on social media. I mean, that's, that's me. I same like you said, I, you know, if I'm going out and partying with my friends or if I'm working like I have a different mindset because I'm like focusing on different things but yeah. I'm the same person I'm not like putting on a front when I'm with clients not at or, all and I like to have fun and, and joke around and I find being looser work-wise makes like I don't I feel like I don't work in a, in a good way exactly Maybe like Monday I don't dread Mondays and I don't look forward to Fridays Me or neither. Saturdays I just right like I don't live for Friday at five no I don't and 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 part of it is like which is crazy and I'm just looking at now like I know this people are like, oh, like we're almost done Tuesday. So tomorrow's Wednesday, which means we're already almost back to the weekend. Yeah. Which in my mind, it's like, I'm not even focusing on what day it is because today it's going to be Friday and I'm going to be like, where the heck did this week go? Yeah. Like we're already Friday evening, which is great because I get, I spend a lot of time with my family. But, um, so I think for Gary, that was the main thing I always mm-hmm. got from him was like, you, um, like if you're living for the weekend, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And right. <laughs> and I find there's stuff like in 
I find stuff in my business, like I told you, like the clients, like they don't stop calling at five o'clock on Friday. Right. So there's things in my business I dislike. So it's like, okay, can I work on doing stuff where maybe I stop that? Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe I find systems or ways I can get around it. Do you find, do you have that too? Stuff in your business that, maybe not that because at five you can kind of shut it off, but stuff you've been during the week, you're like, man, I hate having these conversations or I hate going to this thing or I hate having to do this task. Is there a way that I can manipulate it where I really do have like the perfect schedule? Yeah. Where do you feel you have that right now? I wish I did. I mean, I don't think, I don't feel like if you're in any kind of management position, you ever get to fully turn off. Mm -hmm. Um, My my life currently is so much more balanced than it ever was in my 20s and even in my 30s um, because that retail world never closed. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that store was open seven days a week and it never, you know, it just never shut off. It felt like, or when it did, it was like, okay, now I go to bed. Great, thanks. Yeah. Um, whereas now with Platco, it is a Monday through Friday company at its core. Yes, we do have we do some field service work on the weekends because that's when a client is shut down, or um, there might be a couple things after hours because I have customers all over the world, and so do uh, some of my sales team. But for the most part, I have a lot of work life balance. My CEO is not saying, Alicia, I need you to work on the weekends. There are times where I bring my laptop home on the weekends mm-hmm. because there's things that I really want to get done that are going to make my life easier. And my husband may be doing something else for himself. Mm-hmm. And then my kids have plans. So then I don't feel guilty. But if the, none, if they don't have any plans and they're looking forward to seeing me for the weekend, I'm not bringing my laptop home. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of a balance. It's what's important. Or there's times where I'm like, well, that's going to be late. And I'm going to communicate to that, that to my boss that I need a one-week extension for this project. And I'm going to literally go have fun with friends and family all weekend. Yeah. It's it's just all about balance and what you can and can't do and put off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's good. And I'm I'm learning it. Like I said, I'm in my... Early, yeah, how old are you? 33. So you still got a bit, right? Because yeah. you're still figuring that out. Your kids are still little. Like I have a daughter who's in 11th grade. She's going to prom this year. And within one month, mm-hmm. I, both my daughter's birthdays, I have my grandbaby being born. I have a baby shower. I have prom and I have travel for work. And that is in like three weeks. So uh, all in like this April 20th to May 10th time frame. So you kind of just, I don't know, you just kind of learn what's really important and you learn how to balance that stuff. And you're still at that age where you're still figuring out your kids are still little. Well, I I was, um, I I'm, I've always been ambitious. I, I was ambitious in my twenties and I had, the thing with my 20s, I had like goals I wanted to hit that were very individual goals because it yeah. was just me. Yep. And I mean, I met my wife in, when I was like 24, I think. Yep. Um, but my wife is very independent. She's not a very needy person. Sure. Um, which is we, great. Which is awesome. Like we get along <laughs> so well. I, I have such a good relationship with her, but we we make time for each other, but we also make time to do our own thing. Yeah. Not Nothing like, wrong with that. N- yes. And uh, so I was always very ambitious. And then... When you have kids when they're young, like when you have an infant, like spend a lot of time with them, but yeah. they're not ne- that needy when they're young. Yeah. Maybe they are, they are, but they aren't, you know They're actually I mean? almost more needy when they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm saying like a baby, like, yeah, she needed to rock them and change them and all this stuff, but they're not like asking to go places. They're not like talking back. They're not walking around. Like no. they're just, they're sleeping or hanging out or whatever. So I was still very ambitious. And then as I started getting more kids, I realized like, okay, I got to pause look at my life. I'm in a different season of my life right now. Mm-hmm. I got young kids. Um, my wife's in, she's going back for her master's right now. We have some other stuff that's like, 
making certain ambitious goals have to take a back seat. Not that they won't happen, not that I won't attempt them, but they have to just, I got to prioritize them. And they and, change. And they change. Yes. And I find that I've gotten way better in the last year and a half. I'd say, I'd say probably like 15 months um, of really kind of like self-reflecting and, and figuring out what's more, most important right now and being fine with not maxing out my my um, my professional side, sure, uh, because I don't want it to affect my personal side and or just make me self implode because of just like burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, um, it was it's difficult because you go from like go 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 one hundred percent on the professional side to like now I got to like not go one hundred percent personal because you got to find a balance, but like now I got to really swing you know turn the, yeah. the the steering wheel the opposite way. And be fine with that, which basically means you have to retrain your brain on how to act. So I've gotten to a point where, like I think you just said, your balance is better. My balance yeah. is the best it's ever been. Which I is think, wonderful. Which is good. And it's like anything else. I have a long way to go. But it's never going to end, right? Because no. I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to still be trying to balance my great-grandkids. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, my and house like is still filled with party kids. And yeah. they still want to party. And grandma's going to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but I think it's, it's you, you, you tweak all these little things now. And I think, like, I'm sure... Is there stuff that you pull away from Placo that you attribute or you bring into your life, like your personal life? Different, different, like, um, I, I don't, not like you're managing your kids, like you're managing your, no. but, but I'm saying like the way you deal with people, maybe you're like, hey, I got to be more empathetic with, you know, Tom, Bob, Bobby and Susie or whatever at the company. And now I go home and my, my husband and my kids are, you know, maybe I would get mad at my daughter for something, but now I'm going to be a little more empathetic because she's it's perfect 17 yeah. <laughs> and she's going through some stuff and, I, I, you know. Yeah, it, so you have to really remind yourself sometimes. So there's been times where, you know, it's like you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. That yeah. is real because sometimes you put in more effort into your career than you do your own family. And that's mm -hmm. where you really need to look in the mirror and be like, okay, I would have never have snapped at somebody on my team like that, but I just yelled at my daughter because she asked me a question about something. That's mm -hmm. ridiculous, right? And so that is the part that I'm constantly still reflecting on because sometimes work takes so much energy out of you that mm -hmm. then when you get home, I'm like, I just don't want to hear I, anything. Like, I just want it to be quiet. I need a longer ride home sometimes. Sometimes I'll take a different route because it only takes me 10 minutes to get home. And I'm like, I'm going to go up Route 3 and then I'm going to go down the turnpike. And, then I'm gonna, you know. Um, I, I guess when you, uh, how much, I guess, do you think your battery's like full when you get home? Like, if you start the day at 100. Yeah. Let's just say every day, perfect world, you start the day at 100. When you like clock out and drive home, how much time on average do you think, or how much battery life do you think you have when you like walk through the door? It really depends on the day, but I'd say an average day, maybe about 25%. So okay. I'm up at 4 a.m. Three days a week I go to the gym. It's not enough, I know, but three days a week I go to the Better gym. Yeah. And then um, those other days, I actually take that time in the morning to kind of just do some online shopping, sometimes retail therapy, all of that. But if I start my day at 4 a.m. and I have a full bore day, like it's full of meetings and I have 10,000 things to do for work and then I've got to stop in the middle of my day to rent my daughter to an orthodontist appointment or whatever these mm -hmm. things end up happening. By the time I get home and my husband and I cook dinner, honestly, by 8 o'clock, I am so tired and I could just lay down and go right to sleep. And sometimes I just do. Mm -hmm. People make fun of me because they're like, oh, lady, you're in bed by 8 o'clock. I don't my care. text message at 8.05. Yeah. I'm exhausted and I want to sleep because that is actually so happy last week. 
because when I crawled into bed, I think it was 7.30. This is terrible. That's, that sounds amazing, by it the way. Was, and so, I went and I'm like... It doesn't happen to me, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> I was like, I am so happy. He's like, about what? I'm like, because we're going to sleep. <laughs> and I was just so tired. You're getting your and hours been, in And that. I've been with my husband for 24 years, yeah. by the way. I was 17 when I met him. So he's like, yeah, we're just, we're exhausted. <laughs> Life is uh, just busy. The, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I like that. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like 25% is probably... It's probably about the right. norm for a lot of people. Do, yeah. do you, um, this was something that I've been trying to get better at over the last year. Do you have any like white space in your calendar? Mm. White space meaning like not structured. Yes, for sure. I cannot do every, like looking at your calendar gives me a little bit of anxiety because you even have, and I work with um, somebody who in particular, as soon as I saw your calendar, I thought of somebody um, on my team and he is, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Listen, he has, his calendar looks just like this and I'm like, I can't like I would take this lunch out of there I would take um that morning block that you have for like the I would I just wouldn't want to see it right I would just know it but not everybody's brain works that way yeah when I look at this I'm like no I can't you can see that I'm very like (laughs) anal with my time but I I, (laughs) that's but that works for you yeah I think like most of the stuff I have a system that works for me that the so the reason like these two things are right here Mm mm-hmm so this is, I'm trying, so one of the things I've really tried to get better at because I, I fell off the wagon is I wanted to start prioritizing my health more than I was because I used to be really good at it with kids and work and life. It, give me any excuse I could say. I basically just pushed that behind. Sure. Um, so I was like, I got to get better at that. So the reason I have lunch, so this is, that's meditation and lunch. I've been, I did meditation that's a lot awesome. last year. I stopped doing it for a bit. I'm trying to get back into it because I really, I, I recognize it. I recognize the difference when I do it and I don't do it. So I try to do it in the middle of the day. I missed it today just because someone dropped. It was just, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, you bounce, roll with the punches. But I put lunch in because I have a tendency to just skip lunch. I have a tendency to get to the office, work all day, and all of a sudden it's 4 o'clock. Like, I haven't ate today. Yeah, that's and terrible. So, I do that. So I put in lunch because I, it's, for me, it's like, no, no, take the time to sit, pause, and eat. And so, like, when I say lunch, like that hour is a very unstructured time. So like when it's I'm good. eating lunch, I might pull up a video on YouTube and watch it. And mm-hmm. I'm usually like something I want to watch. It could be a podcast, could be yeah. a keynote. I just listen to it as I'm eating. <clears throat> and it doesn't take me an hour to do that. I just know if something runs a little bit long or starts, you know, I can I have about an hour to get that stuff done. Um, most of the other stuff, like this is just calling back people in my database. But that used to be more time, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the point where those reactive things are smaller. I do a couple of them because I want to do my big projects. Yeah. And this time right here, I'm just blocking out like that was today. Um, perfect example, like tomorrow. I have three hours that I'm just sitting there and I'm just doing that. And this is just a task that when I – like this is almost very white space. Like yeah. I can sit there for three hours just go at it nonstop. I might work for a couple hours Maybe even an hour, get up, go talk to Jen about something, go to the bathroom, come back, have a cup of coffee or a cup of coffee, like drink coffee, just like stretch out and then do it again. So this to me doesn't look like a whole lot going on. And this is like St. Patrick's Day handout cards, things we're doing Thursday. That's a very unstructured day. We're getting a card drop, going up, seeing a bunch of people and dropping cards off. That's awesome. Yeah. And then like white face, like very unstructured. So it looks structured because I have things on there, um, but I also, it's... I really don't have a lot. My structure is like red with people and I try not to, I used to have like four, five, six appointments a day wow. and I was running around. I think I'll probably get back to that point and again, a different stage of my like season of my life, which I think sure. will be later this year, but I had to really simplify my schedule to get those main pillars done. So when I look at this, 
it's very much like it's it's almost like a this is a very like bare bones schedule. Wow. Okay. And I've cut a lot of stuff out because I didn't want to run around like I'm not going to go to this. I know I won't. I yeah. haven't gone to that in almost a year. I think that's great. I yep. think I should be going to those networking events. I look at it as it's not a big priority for my life right this second. Sure. I want to go home, spend time with the family because that whole day I'm probably going to be tired from – like this takes a lot out of me even though it's not – it doesn't look like much. It's just your focus no, on No, it does. Task, the, brain, like, the brain is like constantly working on a, a task. No, I get it. So that's – but I guess like white space, like if you looked at your calendar, like when you say you have meetings and you have things going on, like – how much of your day is structured and how much is unstructured? Meaning yeah. That... So it's weird. So at Platco, I'd say about 50% of it is structured. Mm-hmm. And then the other 50% is what are you going to do with it? And you got to, those, that's where you really make your priorities. Are you going to focus on your team? Are you going to try to do the tasks that you do? And by the way, I don't, <clears throat> 90% of the time, maybe even more like 95%, I'm not directly dealing with our customers at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took a lot off my plate. So yep. now it's more of the process improvement, the focus on the team, um, the company improvement now. So there's like, there's four of us that run Platco and really focusing on that kind of stuff. So I keep a lot of that white space too because I never know what's going to pop up in this day. Mm-hmm. It could be a huge fire drill. And also, I do want to be there for my team if something does pop up with a customer. Um, So in my personal life, when it comes to free time, I do have some things scheduled. But for the most part, I like to leave it up to chance, see what's going to happen. I like surprises. Whereas it's so funny because my husband and my daughter, my my younger daughter, has to know, like, what are we doing? When are we going to be there? What's going to happen? Who's going to be there? Like, and my mind just doesn't work that way. I've learned to obviously adapt. That's my family. Mm. But that's why I don't operate like this because I kind of do that with them as much as possible. Business, I'm more like that. Personal, I'm a little bit more... F- like free. Now, if my wife was here, she'd probably be like, oh, my God. But I, <laughs> but I feel like I, I am more easy going on weekends mm-hmm. i hate being late so like i will get stressed out i if, agree like, i'm trying that. to get people like like we got to get there for x time and we're dragging our feet i don't like, like to be late like just thinking i forgot that your building wasn't there anymore oh, in the train station you're you're still i know but i like to be like 10 minutes yeah, it's all good. <laughs> um but so like that but like on weekends like you'll see like my weekends i just have family which is wonderful and I, I but i that. don't have anything really but planned whatever's usually, gonna happen my wife might say like hey we got this thing going on saturday i won't put it in my calendar. i very rarely will put it in the calendar yeah. unless it's like go drop them off somewhere so i know like not to forget it yeah but if it's like hey we're doing something this afternoon this evening like fine whenever yeah. after naps great yeah so i find that having the five days in the week with and really four days during the week because Friday is a very much a, a flex day for me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I keep Friday as like that day between work and like kids and yep. family where it's like if I want to go skiing or if I want to. Friday's like the day if I want to play hooky, I can. You could. I can. It's like yeah. my day to like recharge and kind of have an off day. And I'm still doing a little bit of work. I'm still mm-hmm. obviously doing stuff with the family. But it, it allows me to put like a hobby interest like very white space day in. Um, I love rolling in on Fridays. And if I wasn't doing the breakfast and skiing that day there's days i walk in and it's literally a complete free day mm-hmm. and i'm like i got a couple tasks to, to take care of i got a couple things to clean up i might just go sit on the couch and, and you know shoot the shit with jen up front about a couple things and it yeah. has nothing to do with work it's just like hey the end of the week and i have a couple things going on and yeah it's great. and i don't feel rushed and i just feel very relaxed 
It's, like, it is. And then you're not so high strung going into the weekend for mm-hmm. your family, which is super important. What is your take? So what something I've been really trying to work on at Platco is trying to get um, everybody that's on kind of like the decision making, understanding work from home. And so how I feel like that's a good flex. So currently we're um we're monday through thursday manufacturing which means that they are only there monday through thursday administration is there monday through friday so my thought was to to hire great people and to be able to keep them to have a little bit of flexibility with that work from home because i can get a lot more done Mm -hmm. when i work from home so working our regular schedule monday through thursday but every friday having a work from home because there's only like 10 of us there what is your take on work from home i have no problem i i think um one of our girls working from home today Mm -hmm. um I think as long as you, I feel two ways. One, you can come to the office, case in point, I had someone drop in today, was here probably for 45 minutes, completely derailed my morning, totally fine, roll with the punch, I like the person, you know, it is what it is, I just Mm -hmm. didn't get what I planned done, but I made, you know, whatever, made adjustments. And in my head, I was like, it would have been better to sit at my house today and just go through and not see anybody. I mean, granted, we had this in the afternoon, we had some other stuff, but... Um, you know, that's why sometimes Friday for me is tough because I come in with nothing, but I also find that Fridays is the day that people just kind of pop in. So, um, so really some Fridays, like I like coming here and having my desk and having a printer and having the internet and not having my youngest still stays home. So my wife, so there is a level of it's easier here, but I also have the distraction. Like I can avoid my wife and kid at my house a little easier than I can avoid someone popping in and talking to me. Absolutely. So now I would say from a work from home perspective, I don't like the person from our office is working at home today. I don't expect them to work as long as they would work here hour wise. My hope is that they're doing the same amount of work and like Parkinson's law, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you have eight hours here to fill, you'll fill it. If you go home and you're like, the kids are home today or I have some stuff I want to get done, you'll somehow miraculously take that eight hours and get it done in three. Yeah. And it's just the way that we work as humans um and during covid i was great like i would i went for a walk every day with my kids like middle of the afternoon which is great i had breakfast with them every day i had breakfast with them i had lunch with them and we went for a walk every afternoon of covid Mm -hmm. i worked for about probably three hours in the morning and about an hour and a half two hours tops in the afternoon and i got done everything i needed to get done yeah and i was just like get it done go go hang out so personally i think work from home is fine as long as people are are getting their tasks done. I'm not an hourly person. Mm-hmm. I hate, um, I don't care if someone works 40 hours in a week. Some weeks you'll work 30, some weeks you'll work 60. Yeah. I said, it's just whatever time period you're in, that's how I live my life. I, if I have a task that takes longer, I'll put the time in. If I have a task that I got done and I have some free time, you know what, I'm going to go golfing or skiing or go home earlier, whatever the case yeah. might be. Um, and I think that if people look at more being task oriented than time oriented, I don't think work from home is a big deal. Personally, I think the four-hour work week versus a, a seven-day work week makes more sense. I know. I, I don't think people... I mean, you see like some colleges going to four-day work weeks. Um, I don't know how it is around the, the world if other people if countries take off um, Fridays. I, I did hear the other day, because talking about like time off and things like that, they said that you know our normal 40-hour work week and, and typical uh, American-style work week was based on of like the industrial... You know, back in like the early 1900s. When women stayed home, raised their families. Yeah. And and you had like yeah. the assembly lines and you had the factories yeah. and stuff. And they said that most countries around the world don't work that hard. No. And they, in the United States, we work way longer. We, we grind out too much. 
and we burn out too much mm-hmm. because we're just like work, work, work. And I've tried to get to the point where I'm not working as much. And that's why with the efficiency model comes yeah. in. Um, I, I have worked crazy hours. Of um, course. But I've also, I think I needed to do that to get in a position to learn from it. And then also in a little bit, like I had to get like some social um, some social currency, some financial currency, some, you know, some things where it allowed me to make some different changes. Absolutely. Um, Friday, though, I think if everybody went to a four-day work week, we'd be fine. That, that, is my, that is my opinion, for sure. Yeah, I don't think you need to work Fridays. Yeah, I think Fridays, you can either, you can get done in four days, which you could get done in five. Mm-hmm. You really could. And also, if, if you still do the five-day work weeks and you pick get to pick one of those days to work from home, like, for example, like a Friday... I am going to get a ton of stuff done on that Friday, mm-hmm. more than I would get if I was in the office. So one thing that is a discussion, like a debate about, is that kind of like what you said, where well, people are only going to give those same amount of tasks that they would have given in eight hours. But who cares? I, the job is still getting done is my take well, on I that. I also think like, because some people go like four day weeks, but then they work 10 hours a day right? versus eight. So then you go from 32 hours up to 40 hours or four, four or yeah, you know, you, yeah. you extend up to the yep. 40 hours. So you're still doing the same amount of work. And you see this with like nurses and COs that they yeah. do 12, or nurses, especially because they do 12 hours. Yep. Um, the way, again, you go back to Parkinson's law, which states that you, that you basically you'll fill the time that's given to you to complete a task. If yes. you say a task and say, "Hey, Alicia, you have an hour to fi- fi- uh, do this, or you have three hours," you're going to get this, the work done on both scenarios. It's just going to take you three times as long in the three-hour one because you have that time. So I think that most people, if you said Monday through Thursday, you're going to get rid of the, just the idle chit chat. You're going to get right. rid of just kind of the t- time wasting things. You're going to get rid of nonsense meetings. Nonsense meetings because you need to have the time to get your projects done and your tasks done. And I think if um, personally, I think. If people really said, hey, I got eight hours of work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to get done that time because they have something to look forward to on Fridays. I think also because if you have a Friday off and you have a full Saturday and a full Sunday, you in theory have, I mean, you have a 50% longer weekend, but you can do those long trips, you can do those like vacations, you can do those random things, you get those side projects done around the house and not feel like you're missing out. And I feel like, and this again, I'm going to go back to when I was serving ice cream. I remember looking outside. I was, I think I was 20 at the time. I remember looking out. It was sunny out. A friend just came up, got ice cream. We're going off to something. I had a family party that night. I was missing all this because I, right. I was at this place. I used to work from, I think, like 1 to 9 or 1 to 9.30, something like that. Same here. And I, I remember like looking out, and it was sunny. And in my head, I started calculating. I'm like, okay, I'm here for eight, eight and a half hours. Um, how much of that eight, eight and a half hours am I actually working? And I said, not, not like just sitting away for client or customers to come up, but mm-hmm. like physically, like stocking stuff, making stuff, making cones, doing just actual physical work. I think I calculated on average, I was probably working three to four hours max sure. tops. Most of the time, over half, the, definitely over half the time, I was sitting. I was sitting hmm. waiting for people to drive in. I was sitting for people to walk. I was sitting for people just to get out of their car and come to the window. Um, and I thought in my head, I'm like, if I could just show up at one every day and just bust through all my work and go home between four and five, do the same amount of work, sure, get paid the same amount, and but then I have my whole weekend free, that's why I went into real estate because I got paid like that and I still get paid like that. Um, so I think that if people had the mindset, like you're still going to get paid, you're still going to get everything done, you're just going to have to do it in a, a quicker block of time, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. And I, you know, I heard this analogy and people said, treat every day like it's the last day before vacation. Because it said the day before vacation, guess what you do? You say every single thing that you, hey, do you mind doing this? Hey, can yeah. you grab coffee? Hey, can you have this meeting? Like, I can't. I can't go on vacation tomorrow. i got to get this stuff all done. Exactly. Guess what? You get through all your priorities. You're done. You go on vacation. You're great. Most of us don't 
do that no. normally. Yeah. Um, and guess when people will do it. I'm sure, like for you, Friday, if you're taking a half day, you're probably going to grind a little more over the next two days. So Friday's free. Everything will be done. Yeah. And, but, I but wish everything would be done. But, but like the priority stuff yeah. are, you'll let a couple a couple things slide that aren't priorities. And that's something I've gotten better at doing. But I think, fr- I mean, I, I really think, I would love it in our industry if like everybody shut down on Friday. It would be incredible. And honestly, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but <clears throat> the way that our our family dynamics are, right? They're so mm. complicated right now. And it feels like everybody's just so busy and you don't have time to sit down and have dinner at night and all these things. I feel like if you had those three-day weekends, you would have more family time and families would be able to build those bonds a little bit better. Mm. I don't I, know. I think I think the trend, I, I think eventually we'll get to that point. And I think it will become a social norm. Mm-hmm. That if you're working on Fridays, that's going to be like the oddity kind yeah. of, of everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, our business is kind of like on call. So like Fridays, I can't. But like, I don't care, honestly, if the, the staff were here on Friday. Yeah. Not that I don't want them here. Not that I don't think they can get work done. But uh, I'm like, if you can get all your work done before Friday, take Friday off. I really yep. don't care as long as we're hitting our tasks. Like, we're to Friday. I'm like, you still haven't gotten this stuff done. That's a problem. That's a whole different But scenario. it's not a problem because of, it's more of a problem of like, you're not using your time properly. Yep. It's not like you have too much on your plate. Um, yeah, I, I, I personally would drop it. I think the only time that working on Friday would make sense is depending on your scheduling of shipping or scheduling of creating yeah. stuff. Yep. Um, I also think if like Monday, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if you said we now have to work 10 hours to make up for Friday versus the eight, the only reason I would say to have those extra two hours is if you that extra two hours was actually getting work done. Yep. And certain 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 roles have that meaning if you're like maybe in production they're i don't know they work four tens okay so maybe four tens but if that two hours is just time that they can do more stuff um and i'm going to say more stuff meaning like it's not very um it's more like physically you have to do it it's not like mentally you have to do it you know what i mean like you have to like piece stuff together assemble more things you have to assemble stuff but they understand how to do it they're not learning how to do it they can just do it and like well if we have two hours every single day, we now make X amount more throughout the year. Absolutely, that makes sense. If it's like a position you're in, I think a position I'm in, it's like, well, if I work eight hours or 10 hours and those two, 10 extra, or two extra hours for those four days is going to be something where I'm thinking or studying or researching and it's more mental capacity, yeah. it's probably not even beneficial. It probably not because it really it's just mentally exhausting at that point because you can only fit so much of that in a day. And you're not creating anything in that two-hour time block because yeah. like we work on stuff when you're putting your brain to like come up with systems and processes, you're not doing one for one. You're doing one to save a half a million dollars a year. Sure. Like you're making these bigger, bigger um, I guess, risk, not risk rewards, but bigger payoffs yeah. versus like, it's kind of like mowing lawn. Like if I went out and mowed lawn and they said, I only worked eight hours a day, but if I worked two more hours a day, I could do two more lawns. Exactly. And now I could do eight more lawns a week. And now over the year, how much is that? Then I would say it makes sense to do the 10 hours, you know? But if you're like, well, I don't know, the extra two hours, I'm not, I mean, I'm just going to put more time to doing this project. That's different. That is. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But I think, I do think we're not far away from Fridays probably just getting off. I, I want to even, I would think that, I could see like banks, you know, like banks work Monday through Friday and have like a half day Saturday. Yeah. I could see that that half day shifts to a Friday and they work Which, four days and they take yeah. out one full day and just slide it up. So then bankers have two, two and a half day, weeks. Um, and I, I don't think it's socially unacceptable to have Friday be like a Saturday where you could work till noon. Yeah. Depending on certain industries, like maybe your car shops open on Saturdays because people can't get in during the week and they have that flex day. 
but then they also don't have a week and a half or a day and a half of a weekend. They have two and a half days, which is massive. Exactly. Um, I, I think it should go to that. I mean, if I if I had my if we ruled the here, world, I would, yes, I would. <laughs> I mean, if I under if I ruled the real estate industry, I would probably say, listen, everything's being done Monday through Thursday. It can That's be. It, it can done. be. There's no issue. It doesn't have to be extended. Um, if last thing I'm going to ask you before mm-hmm. we let you plug everything about Placo. Give me one book that you recommend. Oh, goodness. No topics off limits. <laughs> I mean, it can be leadership. But don't think you have to like pick the man- that managing style, but it can be. Oh, God. So a personal book? I actually love... There's a book called Flowers in the Attic. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. It's not a leadership book in any way. It's, okay. It's more for I mean, is that better? Entertainment. Should I read that more than if I was reading... Probably not. You probably... I'm not sure you would enjoy it. Okay. But, what, what would be, I mean, is that the book? If you're saying, if I had to gift you one book right now. Oh, if I had to gift you a book? Like, like oh. I'm saying, like, this is a book that I think you should read that's going to be, you're going to find either interesting, beneficial, or whatever. But you if probably you think reading that read. book would, like, make me feel great about reading that book, I will add it to my list. If not, then I... Uh, the Challenger Sale. Not sure if you ever read that one. Um, so now I'm getting, I'm trying to get more into the books of big financial decisions and not so much leadership. So should I, is this the book right here? Yep. Okay. So this would be this would be your one if you had that to... would be a pretty good one. Okay. When it comes to like, I call it like big girl panty learning, right? So it's like okay, now I'm moving on to these different steps. A little, a little deeper. A little deeper into the financial and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Good. So it's on there. There you go. God, I wish I would have been a little bit more prepared for that. I've got a oh, whole well, shelf is... of awesome books that I haven't even read yet. But now it's off. <laughs> but yeah, but now it's off the cuff. So Perfect. like this is good. Yeah. Um, my my thing for you is uh, the one thing. The one thing, I'm going to write that in my notes because I didn't bring a notepad. The one thing. Yes. I think it, you might hate it. I don't care. Read it. I doubt you'll it. Love, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll love you it. It's, it. All about, it's, all about, um, it's all about basically prioritizing and executing on tasks and stuff. And I think honestly, in your role and based on how everything you just brought out, mm-hmm. it would speak a lot to you. And there's stuff, there's good resources that go along with it that if you like the book, you're like, Tell me more. I can give you more stuff that I think would go with it. Yeah. I think awesome. It would be good. awesome. Um, okay. So people want to find you, help out, learn more, all the good stuff about yourself or Placo. Where, where do they go? Yeah. So um, I'm on, definitely on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find me on the Placo Corporation page as a sales manager. Um, I... YouTube is a huge thing for Platco. So if you search Platco on YouTube, there's a video for every product, uh, all kinds of people. There you go. Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that picture makes me laugh because when I smile, I crunch my nose and I was like, It's probably because Chris was saying a bad joke too. Yeah, he was definitely making me laugh that day. Um, and I mean, Platco is a wonderful place to work. It's really uh, big into the community. We are actually doing a lot of things for the YMCA. Um, huge uh, donation from Platco. That's a big part of, of what we believe in. We do a lot of community things, uh, um, clean up community activities, things like that. And honestly, a lot of people don't know about it. But that little nugget back there in White Street has been there for 127 years and, and it is original foundry. Which is crazy because if it, nobody's ever been back there, you would never know it's back there. Yeah, it's, it's a like, whole campus. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird, <laughs> it's like set off. It's just like a weird spot within a bunch of houses. And it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a very strange, not in a bad way. It's just, it, it catches you off guard. Yeah. You don't expect it to be there. Yeah. Um, 
we're trying to set up almost like a museum. So currently, um, we actually are trying to set up a timeline. I can look at these incredible old books at Platco. They're like handwritten payroll from like the 1930s. And like, there's just all this incredible history in there. Like I smell the books and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I know. Uh, Placo, That's my team. Placo too has a lot of... Um... A lot of shady from Shazy. So there's a lot of Shazy people that a lot of Shazy people and uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of good a uh, lot of good people. That's that's the sales team. Yep, that's uh, most of the sales team. One person's missing, Matt. He lives in Ohio, but that's Amy and Ashley. Ashley, actually, uh, the pregnant girl there. She's uh, she's What's... coming back to work on April third. I'm so excited to have her back. Yeah, I know her. I, a lot of these I know by I actually know both of them by face. Yeah. So Amy and I met at AT and T. So I've Amy was part of my her. sales team at AT and T. I brought her into oh. there. I did. I definitely worked with yeah. that one. Point. I'm like, that girl yeah. looks really familiar. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like small world, but um, yeah. No, like I said, a lot of good things about Platco. I think the, it's a... that's the training program. So there's never really been a training program at Platco, and now um, I'm working with uh, Dean Supernaut, who's been there in, uh, almost 40 years. This gentleman here, yeah. and creating a training program for the first time at Platco to stop just being like tribal knowledge, and let's actually get some stuff <laughs> on paper and make some training documents. He's good so, too. Yeah. Joey. Oh yeah, Joey. He's now on Jay-Z my team guy. as well. Yep. Yeah. So he was part of manufacturing, and I'm like, you want to come do sales? And yeah, he's no, on there now. That's awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Alicia, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, this was absolutely. Fun. This was fun. I, I, I definitely took some knowledge away from you. So <laughs> same here. I, I mean, this was great. Um, perfect. Well, that's it. Episode two, two, two. I'm gonna say that it's better than two twenty two. So <laughs> or next two twenty two. Yeah, two, yeah, two hundred and twenty two. But episode two, two, two. The Gail and Trouble Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.